You are now listening to the Current Plays podcast for January 2024. Now, please welcome our hosts, Jordan and Thomas. So, welcome to episode eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Episode eight. Wow. Yeah. Season two. I haven't even played. Let's let's see. Actually, this year so far, I have played seven games. Uh, me. Yeah, and one of them was five minutes of the game before I said this game is crap, and then stopped playing it. So six games. What was that? Um, I borrowed one from the library with uh, with Benjamin. It was called uh, Deckscape, and it was Escape from Alcatraz. And it's kind of like an escape room in the in a box, right? It didn't go well. Hmm. Uh, more for me going. Oh, this is so specific, and forget it. You know, right? So right, I, right. I, I was like, I can't, I can't stand this, this, this game already. Benjamin, do you mind if we quit? And he said, Yeah, that's fine. Like, good. <laughs> Four cards in. Oh man. Yeah, those yeah. those can be hit and miss, right? Like, because you know the designers had like something, yeah, specific in mind. Yeah, and yeah. if you're just not attuned, like if you don't think the same specific weird way, then you you're not gonna get it. Like, yeah, a, a lot of the times I've played those. Like, did we did I talk about it? Um, can't remember what it was for. But we had a bunch of family over and we all played like a like a murder mystery game. And, you know, you're supposed to get like the the motive, the the wep- murder weapon and, you know, the opportunity, you know, you're supposed to deduce all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the end, it's like th- this never came up like there was never any indication that this is how this person died like yeah yeah so how would we have ever come up with this yeah yeah i i like deduction things and i like puzzles and i like sometimes act abstract puzzles i got this game actually it was it was katie that got it for me it was in my amazon cart but she actually just bought it and decided one day, ah, here you go, whatever, right? But it's Journal 29. Uh, and basically what it is, it's just a, um, it's like a mystery sort of book. It's a journal on the, it's about this, you know, archaeologist uh, group that was off uh, on some dig, on some fine. And then they found nothing for the first 28 days. And then the 29th day that disappeared. And then all that's left is this journal. Right. So cool, cool kind of premise, but like you open it up and it's all just like, sort of like puzzle stuff. Like you got to figure out each page is a different puzzle. Um, and some of them are very abstract. Like um, you, each page, you got to essentially figure out a word. Uh, and then it's got like a QR code on the left side of the fold-up page, uh, and you scan that and you type in the word. If it get, if it's right, it gives you another code word to kind of write down on that page. And then later on in the book, you might come across a puzzle that says, "Okay, this this is made up of keys 
you know, one, two, and three. So you go back to page one. Okay, the key was this, and page two, the key was this, and and how do those relate? And it's so that it's sounds like neat. That. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and and I dig those kind of things. And it did it. It does it in such a intriguing way that I feel like some of the puzzles are simple, and I pick it up right away. Like there was a few in there that were like things that you wouldn't know right away, and then you're like, wait a minute all these dots on the page, it kind of looks like Morse code or something. And then you figure it out that way. Right. Oh, right. that's what it is. Right. Um, so they do stuff like that. And then once you figure it out, you feel smart, right? Oh, I, I feel really good. It's just, it's tough enough that you may not get things right away, but eventually as you keep coming back, you figure stuff out. And I loved how they did that. Then you have other things. We played this escape room um, in a box. I played it with our buddy, Kevin. Uh, and it was like, I think, I believe it was just called escape, but it was like three boxes in one. Uh, and we had to like unlock this like physical box and it had these keys you put in and whatever, and you're trying to solve the things and it's got a timer and you have to like, I guess, open up the keys or whatever before the timer ends. And once you open the last key, then the timer stops and that's your score, whatever, whatever the case may be, something around the, uh, the lines of that. Uh, but it was so difficult that like, and then sometimes like, just like arbitrarily, you, you kind of nailed it there when you said like, you don't know what the designer was kind of thinking. You almost have to be yeah. in their mindset right. to figure it out. Cause they think, oh yeah, this is probably obvious, but no, I'm not in your head. So how could that be obvious to me? Right. So, and, and, and I remember one of the puzzles that we didn't solve and then we were looking up the answers afterwards because we had failed was like it was something so like not detailed of something along the the lines of like these cards that we were looking at one of the pictures in the background was like a slightly different shade of red and that was supposed to like trigger us off oh that is a mauve not a red you, you know what i mean like something like that that it was it was so obscure i was like how would anybody figure that out? Right. Like it made no. So it was so like that stuff frustrates me when they're so like ridiculously. So we borrow this game, uh, Deckscape Escape from Alcatraz. And I don't know, maybe it's this is a personal thing. I'm not super into some of these games, though I do like deduction. This, these, these, some of these games just frustrate me. Yeah. But basically, you know, the first card, you, you, you find yourself in Al Alcatraz and you have to escape and it's like, and this has a minor spoiler. So, you know, jump ahead two minutes if you don't want to spoil this terrible game that I lasted all of like six cards into. But basically you have uh, you're in this cell room. All you have is a mug and you're really thirsty. Uh, and it's like, you know what? How do you fill up the mug to drink? Because you need to drink. Well, it shows you a picture of your cell. Uh, and there's a toilet in there. So I'm like, yeah, okay. So you fill it up in the toilet. Okay, cool. There's your water source. But it was a trick. Somewhere in the first story portion, it mentions one line where it says it was a stormy night. Well, because it's storming, you could have put your metal cup out the window and got rain in your cup and drank that. But because you drank from the toilet, that's unsanitary. So you get this X mark and it's a negative thing in the game. And I was like, okay. Okay, that's fine. That's that's cool. <laughs> we'll move on. And then it happened again, a very similar thing. And I was trying to be careful from then on out. And the second time this sort of like trick happened, I was like, 
yeah, I'm done with this game. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm not doing this. Ah. So it's like, oh, you know, I'm cool with like taking you down some red herring paths, but then to be like punished for it afterwards, that's just frustrating. And I'm like, you know, okay, if you want to waste the time and be like, oh, we caused you to waste time. Yeah, cool. I get that. But yeah, that's a. (laughs) You ever play uh, the Professor Layton video games? Uh, That was like a law one, wasn't it? Like a like a lawyerish kind of thing. No, No? you're thinking of um, Ace. That's what I was thinking about. You're absolutely right. Uh, No, I Uh, never played either of those, actually. Now, Ace now I'm like, what was the name of the? Oh, was the Ace Attorney something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't know. Video Games Live did the the song oh, from that. Yeah, 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 music from that. Um, by the way, if this is your first time out hearing about Video Games Live, look it up. It's amazing. Love it. Um, <laughs> no, so Professor Layton was like, it's like a puzzle adventure game, and basically yeah you're like solving puzzles to essentially move through this storyline um and they were great like yeah they they just they ranged in difficulty uh you know some of the puzzles were very obvious other ones not so much and i guess it depends on who you are and your experience and and whatever too right but um i don't remember a lot about it but you know if you couldn't get a puzzle and then you know it was like whenever it showed you the answer you're like oh okay you're like yeah that makes sense right yeah it's never never what the you know literally who would have come up with that you know i I found they struck a pretty good balance that way and you weren't like like super punished for not being able to get a puzzle you know what i mean that's good i dig that yeah like I feel like there's a way to do those things. There's a good way and there's a bad way. This journal 29 gets it great, but I haven't even finished it. Like there's like 50 puzzles in that book. Yeah. But like, it's one of those things that like I can come back to and be like, okay, yeah, I was, I was stuck on this puzzle. Look at it a different way and be like, Oh wow. I missed this before or whatever. Right. So, you know, but and, and, yeah, and they don't frustrate me. There's <laughs> there's some frustration trying to solve a puzzle when you really you're almost saying you can't get it, but it's not like this is unfair frustration, right? So that's my rant. <laughs> Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never played <laughs> those though either. No, so. no, me neither. I. Uh, you know what I should do? I should give a, 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 a light update here. I mean, a, an ending, a closure update Ooh. on the challenge of uh, last year. Because last year, so the right. last time we were on here, I was right there. It was really close, uh, but I wasn't quite at my uh, 365 you plays said you yet. Had three plays left, right? Yes. Yeah. So I ended and then the year. You were year. like, guaranteed, I'll have <laughs> yes. it. Yeah. I ended the year with a success. I played my 365th game. I believe it was on the 29th uh, of uh, December. So I still had days to go. Uh, and I left it there, actually. I, uh, I, I I didn't play any more games for the rest of the year. Now, hmm. New Year's was, you know, uh, we didn't go out much at all from the 29th onwards. But yeah, the last game was uh, uh, the Quacks of Quedlinburg. You played the Quacks of Quedlinburg? 
Yeah, yeah. So nice. I, I got that one uh, to the table. It was um, we were visiting my my parents, and my mom own, owns that one. It was a gift for my brother. Oh, okay. So I convinced her we needed to pull it out and and play that one because I needed to get my last you know play in for the year. So it was pretty good. I really enjoyed that one. So we've talked about it before, Jordan. You've mentioned it before. Basically, it's a it's almost a, like a bag building game where hmm. you are a quack in this city of Gwen Quendlinburg. I think it's is it Quedlinburg, but yes, sir. Sure, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you watch Rodney Smith's video on it, he like tries to pronounce it like the German way, and it, it comes out pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you're a quack doctor, and you're built. You're making potions. You're building this uh, this bag of uh, essentially these uh, chits uh, that are going to add to your potion pot. Uh, you have a number of these cherry bombs in your bag that if you draw the cherry bombs, you draw too many of them They're They have, they range in numbers from one to three. If your cherry bombs ever add up to seven or more, then your potion explodes in your face and bad stuff happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're trying to add in more and more, uh, you know, ingredients to your pot before you, before you blow it up and then Stop. So stop. It's a, it's a push your luck basically game where you want to add more to your pot to get more and more victory points, but that increases your chances of of blowing it up by drawing those um, cherry bombs. It's quite fun. I hmm. I had a lot of fun. We we uh, my my sister, mom, and uh, Benjamin played it together. So we had a four player game going, and uh, my mom and I came in dead last. We tied for uh, we did. Pretty poorly. Uh, my son did fairly good. He was second place, and my sister uh, took the uh, the cake, I suppose, uh, and won it all. Nice. Uh, and it wasn't even a close game. She was she was quite far ahead of me. <laughs> I am so, not much of a risk taker, but I uh, had to in that game. And you've mentioned yeah. it before that, like when someone gets ahead, you want to catch up, so you start to kind of like. Yeah, push it. But I had the, I had your luck, is what I had. Yeah, I had your dice rolling luck. Like, oh, every, I have that same luck in this game too. Ever like, I'd have a bag full of ingredients that were not cherry bombs, and I'd only pull cherry bombs out. I'd be like, yeah. what is happening? Like, how did I pull a three out on the first pull kind of thing, right? This cherry bomb. I'm already halfway to my potion exploding on the first thing I pull out, right? And then afterwards, every time I blew up, I'd like dump the bag and I'd be like, there's literally like 15 other ingredients in here. <laughs> Couldn't have drawn any of those. Right? But, oh. So I've heard that the the best strategy is at the beginning of the game you just keep drawing until you blow up interesting like don't give a hoot about blowing up uh keep drawing until you blow up because more often than not you will get further ahead than you would if you were you know playing it safe sure yeah and you just forego the points because the points aren't you'll get as many at the beginning of the game. 
Yeah, they're they're quite a, a bit lower. Yeah, for sure. But the extra money that you'll get to buy the better ingredients, if you keep pushing and going forward, like it's worth it to forgo the points to get more money at the beginning. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I've tried it. Didn't work out for me. <laughs> at least the one time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or the couple of times I played and 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 went with this strategy, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Give that a try next time, I guess. See what happens. But I like it. Like it makes sense to me logically. But yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because so basically, as you're as you're pulling ingredients out of your your bag, they'll have numbers, and your pot is a giant like I don't know spiral. Yeah, uh, and the farther you get out from the center spiral, the more points that you get. But as you're kind of expanding out, you start farther along the spiral, so you can get farther into your your potion pot. Uh, so yeah, so that makes sense that you know just pushing it forward, exploding, but getting all those things, getting the good ingredients because you actually got. Fo- and basically, the bad stuff with you when you explode is that you you can either take a the points. Or B, you can take the money and buy in- ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. Where typically, if you don't explode, you get to do both, right? So that's neat. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I can I can see that being a valid strategy and actually working some of the time, at least. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. the only thing was like you then you can't roll the bonus die. Yes. Yeah. And I found when I was doing that, like I I got hardly any crystals. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, so you it was couldn't hard push it up. to like push it up and yeah. So anyway, thought I'd share that. You know, I I feel like I was playing so strategically too, and none of it just worked. Right? Yeah, yeah. So like at one point, I was the like I was the first to get there was this black ingredient that basically was like if you have it on the board, then if the person to if you have more than the person to your left you get some sort of bonus. If you have more than the person to your right, then you get some uh, an increased bonus, right? And so I got that early on and nailed some great bonuses right off there, right? Uh, until people picked up on that and like, oh, wow. Um, yeah. But yeah, like things like that being, playing the games that we get, play all the time, I was like, okay, that's easy for me to pick out that that's a, that can be a huge thing. And then they picked up on it and did better with them because I just kept blowing up. <laughs> It's like, oh, stop it. <laughs> that was a good nice. game. That was a fun one. Nice. So, have you been playing anything in the new year? You know what? I haven't. Um, which is a bit infuriating because I got all these great games at Christmas and we were <laughs> on holidays and I kept trying to like get games to the table but uh well so so first of all most of my free time was spent down in the basement uh hanging up drywall uh because as the listeners know I'm, i'm renovating the basement so you know the holidays was a great time to sort of get some um progress get some progress on on the basement right um, so that ate up a lot of, a lot of my time, but then like nobody seemed to be interested at, at one point. Uh, well, I did get out micro macro 
Crime City, and it is full house that we got. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we did get a few games of that in. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, it's good. I mean, we've talked about it before. It's basically, it's this big, huge, like, poster map of a city uh, that's all, like, just hand-drawn, all black and white, like, line art. Uh, and then it's filled with all sorts of characters and stuff happening. And you uh, will grab a deck of cards and each deck of cards has like a mystery that, you know, you'll look at it and it'll show a picture of, you know, a crime that's happened or, or you know, something like that. And you have to find that on the map and then you can sort of trace back and forward in time and basically solve the mystery. Um, the great thing about the version that, uh, I got for my wife is that it's in English. (laughs) I knew that was going to come up. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it's much easier to read through. I, I I suppose much easier. Yes. (laughs) And you don't get the weird. So my Italian version, you don't get the weird, like things that don't quite, uh, you know, translate perfectly. Right. The man with the cylinder hat, like, but the top hat is that what you're going for? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, oh, in this funny. one, the the first mystery what was exactly the same. A dude with with a sombrero and the kids <laughs> with the fishing pole. Wicked. Uh, That's yeah, funny. Yeah. It was exactly the same. I was like, nice, nice nod to the first one, right? <laughs> Oh, that's wicked. Yeah. 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 But that's uh, a great, great, great. Uh, they're great games. Yeah. I should get that one too, just to play it. I'd love to make like a little wall art of those maps after yeah. you fi- finish them. You know, it'd be hard to do though without like ruining the maps. Or... <laughs> I I tried to get dice thrown out um, sure. with my yeah, son, yeah. but he wasn't interested. Yeah, he he played a turn, I played a turn, and then he was like, I'm done. Like, yeah, that's okay. I, I find like, yeah, that one's such a interesting one too. Cause I got that one uh I played that one once with Benjamin as well. And Dice Throne? Yeah, thinking, like Yeah. Oh, um, at the at the, the round the table cafe. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So it's very simple when you know the rules. Yeah, but there was a lot of like upfront stuff that I was like, okay, this is what you're trying to do, and then a lot of like little things up front, and then these are the cars, and then you're spinning this dial, and blah 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 blah. Uh, and it was enough that I was like, wow, this game is actually more complicated than just saying, hey, we're playing Yahtzee and rolling dice and trying to. I mean, yes, you could introduce it that way, uh, but then you got to explain all the powers, and oh, yeah, okay, so that power causes me to get this. Yeah. Shit off of your board, which does that, you know, uh, and that was kind of, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's it's a bit more complicated than you would than what you would think. Rolling dice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Than rolling dice, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's a that's a tough one, but a fun one. Yeah, you just, need to get it to the table more. Actually, I put a post on Reddit about that. <laughs> <laughs> they were, the question was like, what games? do you can you not get to the table as often as you'd like and most people's responses are like you know anachrony or you know like 
Twilight Imperium because like, you know, there's things that take heavy, forever, take yeah. forever yeah. need need the right people. And then I'm like dice thrown, like, <laughs> <laughs> it, which should come out to the table like so easily. Yeah, but it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Um, and and I have so many. Uh, not expansions, but, you know, so many characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that I, I want to play and I haven't played, but, you know, I never get it out. So that's funny. I but, was out, uh, uh, I was recently out and um, I was talking to someone and they they had played uh, Caverna. And I was like, oh, neat. And he's like, actually, you know what? I have it in my car right now. Do you want me to bring it out and I'll show it to you? And I said, yes, I do. And my wife's giving me the look like, oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> this was one of her friends, you know, get togethers, basically. Right. Uh, and then I happened to be talking to someone at the party and, and blah, blah, blah. Right. So this all happened. Um, and uh, so he's showing me that. And then I started to talk to him about the games. And, and this is a guy that has played caverna caverna uh so it's a pretty heavy game mm. as soon as i started to get into like a little like depth of, of games i could see like his eyes just kind of glossing over that it was like oh really and i was like oh I, i've lost them already kind of thing right so it's it's so it's so interesting like yeah i, I like i could totally get it even even something is like like dice thrown so sometimes you just need to have the right group to be able to you know get some of these games to the table right mm -hmm. even if they seem mm -hmm. seemingly simple to get out right seemingly <clears throat> easy conversation when someone has played something as heavy as caverna but then to you know lose see that the the interest was already <laughs> lost i was like okay i'll end the end the conversation here shortly <laughs> i won't keep going on especially somebody who's like carrying this game around with them randomly <laughs> right right yeah 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 uh so but, but uh, uh i was yeah i was gonna go on this huge rant about um the x-men because i've been <laughs> listening to the audio drama again sure and yeah. uh and, and you know how, how i find you know it's so interesting um the 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 story of of x-men and and the, like how their plight uh mirrors like current world events and blah 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 uh but then that was all gonna lead into so I bought the new X-Men <laughs> expansion that's coming out for Dice Throne. Um, you had mentioned, oh, they ran a Kickstarter for X-Men Dice Throne. And I was like, why did I not know this? But they luckily had a, like a late pledge option. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I got the battle chest, which I'm excited about because I didn't get any of the other battle chests. Uh, sure. Yeah. Like I've missed out on them. Um, they're very expensive. <laughs> you, can still, you can buy them directly from the, from like Roxley. Yeah. 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 Uh, but again, in the States, it's then yeah. ship it up here and conversion. You know, when I was first getting into the game, I didn't want to go that heavy into it. Yeah. When, when you can buy a, a $30, you know, pack and see if you like the game. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, Battle Chest for X Men. Plus, it comes with a new solo game. So, oh. yeah. So it's like Dice Throne Adventures, but it's, but it's not. It's like it's a different, 
I don't know the details. I don't know the specifics, but you're battling like all of like the villains and stuff. Yeah. 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 In, in X-Men. Um, and I don't think it's a big portal crawl. So I don't think it's as hard to get it on the table. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, and it also, the Kickstarter comes with a, uh, well, I bought in, into it, the <laughs> bonus, uh, uh, Deadpool. Nice. Uh, yeah, character. Yeah. So, and I got a, a play mat, Deadpool play mat. <laughs> Why? Yeah, I just had to, I just had to. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So yeah. that I think is shipping out around August. Uh, that are there, you know, forecasting that. Um, so I will update you <laughs> when we play that in August or September. I still, you know, I, I still sometimes I, I shake my head at how oblivious I am sometimes uh, because like, yeah, this was popping up on my Facebook. I, I get a lot of like ads for games on Facebook, obviously, because I look up games a, a lot. Right. So right. a lot of my targeted ads are game related. Right. So this was popping up like all the time. <laughs> And it never once, and you know what? I was like, I actually, I looked at the ad too. And I was like, oh, this is really neat. But Jordan collects these, so I don't need them, right? (laughs) You think that would trigger me to be like, Jordan, look at these, right? No, not even, not, not even a little bit until, you know, like last episode when we're on the show talking about it, you're like, wait, what? And I was like, huh. Yeah, then it hit me, right? Yeah. Like, so, like, sometimes, like, like, like completely, just, I don't know, over my head, just, it's, it's, <laughs> doesn't even occur to me, right? But, uh, no, I'm, oh, glad, I'm glad you were able to get a light, late pledge bird, and that's, that's really cool. I, there's a lot of, um, yeah, X-Men are cool. So being able to kind of, like, yeah, play around with some of those and see how they work in, uh, in mm. Dice Throne, that's, that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I, fun. I mean, I literally just sat here and said, I have all of these characters I've never played because I can't get it to the table ever. And then in the next <laughs> breath, but I bought the $300 battle chest. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I think I'm, part of it too, like uh, around the time when I was seeing these ads, it was like we had just did like a, there was like a big purchase or something or something. I don't know. You yeah. Know? So it's like, oh, we're not looking right now. But we're right, always right. looking, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm really hoping like once I get things finished down here and have like a dedicated gaming space in the, mm-hmm. in the table that I can do kind of what you do and like set a game up. And then, I, you know, it's not it's not as big of a commitment. It's not like it's going to take an entire night it's like okay the game's set up and i can go and just play a bit when i have some time you know and so i'm hoping like i'm banking on that for dice throne for Voidfall, even yeah. like paladins and you know like <laughs> it, it it is amazing how many times though uh you know i'll, I'll set up those games uh with the intent of playing them i'll set it right. all up i'll be ready and then i'm putting it away because you're coming over to play our game two <laughs> weeks later. Right. So it's like, Oh man. But, uh, yeah. but I don't know. It's, it's the way things are. Right. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, 
I don't know. I was always uh, after after reaching my goal of that three sixty five. I was kind of like, okay, I need like it was a push near the end there. I needed to hit that hit that number right. So then now I've taken a break. And any time you stop doing, I'm like this anyways. I stop doing a hobby. It's hard to get back to it. Yeah. Like I have all these things. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm like, oh, I want to play this again. I want to play this again. I got halfway through the campaign of Lost Ruins right. I want to finish it up because I was really enjoying it. Right. Uh, but then, you know, just setting it up and finding time to, to actually do it. Right. That's yeah. been a problem in the new year. We've been pretty busy so far um, this yeah. year, but yeah, been nuts for yeah, sure. Hoping things will slow down now that I'm back at work too. You know, that's another added busyness to the, you know, it is what it is. Are you doing another you said you didn't want to do the 360 challenge again, but you are you going to do another challenge this year? Yeah. So this new challenge is a uh, I want to play everything in my collection once, at least once this year. That's going to be hard, and I'm wondering if I. The cool thing about our app that I that I track these challenges on. So I own about 97 games. I want to say, give or take. Um, I can go in and select games that I don't want to add to the the challenge, right? So I'm still debating on if I want to nitpick some of those games out. Right. Uh, for example, you know, I I, I look at something like uh, I can't, with Power Struggle we played. Okay, this is a separate example, but Power Struggle is one example. We played it not too long ago. We just reviewed it recently as well, right? I really don't have the urge to play that one above, you know, the other 96 other games in my collection. Right. Right. So if I do play that, it's probably going to be later in the year. So then I wonder, I, you know, technically just played this extremely recently. Can I remove this from the list? I don't know. Maybe. Right. Um, The other thing is, because, you know, the challenges are supposed to be fun, right? It's, it's not like, yes, the 365 was a bit of work, but it was also fun at the same time. So if I'm, you know, forcing myself, I got to play this just so I can say I played it, uh, it kind of defeats the purpose of having a fun challenge, right? The other ones that I'm debating on are some of the ones that are like, you know, three, five player minimum games or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, we play two players a lot. If I can find a variant, cool. That's what we did with Power Struggle. Uh, but if there isn't one, or it's not suggested at two, and we're going to leave that on the list that, like, okay, I'm just now going to set up a game day where we have, you know what I mean? So, yeah. or do I just take that off the list and not include that in the challenge so I can still complete the challenge without it kind of thing? We really should, though. We really should do more game days. Like, on, on a weekend, get some other people involved. We should do that more. So I've been listening to podcasts. We've talked about the podcast before. We both listened to the secret cabal, uh, but they, they were just talking about one of the, uh, you know, speakers on that uh, show. One of the hosts on the show just went away to a, you know, gaming cabin weekend. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, that does sound a lot of fun. So good. Right? Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's an idea. We do have Breakout Con coming. So yeah, look forward something. to that. But speaking of Breakout Con, um, I was actually looking into it the other day. Uh, so I'm I was just on, looking it up right now. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
I was looking at the room rates because you can get a room through um, the Sheridan where the event is at, right? And I think I feel like that's the way we should go. Like it's like I think they were two two twenty a night, uh, but if we go like two nights or something, we'll split that. And then if we have anybody else that we want to come with us, Kevin, if we invite him and he decides to come, <clears throat> you know, then we can give him a small share but like be like yeah you just cover this and we're we're good we'll call it even kind of thing right but right right yeah i I think i think that's the way to go and then we can keep like i don't know a gaming library in our room that we can you know we Mm -hmm. don't have to be running back to the park car and throw things or you know hit you know 12 30 and be like yeah we better get back or else you know, Brian, who we're staying with, he's going to lock his doors at night and we're going to be stuck out. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think that's the way to go. And the 200 seems more reasonable than I think their typical rates are like 400 bucks a night. Yeah. yeah. Plus. So, well, I, um, I, so it was my 10 year anniversary at work and I got a, a, a bit of a bonus for that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I basically said to my wife, who said, yeah, I'm taking a chunk of this and that's going to break out con. That's fantastic. So, nice. Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely down. We should, we should, uh, we won't do it on the show listeners while we're booking hotels right now, but we should, <laughs> we'll, we'll do that soon and we'll get that locked in. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go. And yeah, if you, uh, listen to the show, come find us there. Uh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'd like to get a shirt done but so you'll probably be wearing a shirt yes yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, a current play shirt i should say i'd like to get a shirt done we'll see we'll yeah. see yeah 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 it's it's so uh they're they're a bit pricey to do you gotta find someone that does printing and then even the printings like mine i don't know printing is interesting on shirts it's it's well because it's um it's a rasterized image that sure. I did our logo, right? So I tried to convert that to a vector image, which is what you want for printing. Right, right, right. But even our like graphic design guy, you know, was like, I, I don't get it. I don't, it doesn't convert. Like I can't. So I was like, okay, well maybe I'll learn illustrator and do it in a, but I never did. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I'm, I'm talking like even, even besides that, but like, even like just quality of the shirt. The physical oh, shirt yeah. that I have to, it's like a thick sort of ink that's printed on the shirt. Um, so like it creases, the ink creases and stuff uh. like that. Right. So like every time I wear it, I got to like turn it inside out and kind of, I like try and iron it a bit. Oh, really? So it's not all wrinkly and everything. Right. Yeah. Cause the image gets wrinkly, not blurry, huh. but like, yeah. So it looks, you know, uh, I dig it. It was a great gift. It just, <clears throat> Yeah, the quality wise of of the printing and stuff. This is one thing I find interesting, and I'd love to learn how to do is is that like, um, what do they call it? So when you're putting the images on the on shirts, like screen ink. printing, screen printing. Thank you. Yeah, I'd, I'd be. I I I think that be. I, I dig kind of learning that. That would be cool. Yeah. So maybe this year I'll I'll pick it up and see if I I'll make our shirts. Not before March. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, we'll do it for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. Breakout con. Ooh. Should we move into uh, our first uh, current plays? Let's do it. All right. So first up is Lord of the Rings Journeys Through Middle Earth. Thomas, why don't you uh, dive into this one for us? Yeah, so we played, yeah, the Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. This is a fantasy flight game, uh, you know, and I think that's, I believe they're one of the only ones that has a Lord of the Ring license. That's incorrect. No, uh, because Warhammer uh, Games Workshop Workshop. also has a license, so the license is out there. Uh, But yes, this is a fantasy flight uh, game. Uh, Designer is uh, Nathan uh, Hajek and Grace holding Haas. Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, but essentially, uh, this is sort of a, a dungeon crawl type game where you're building sort of a little uh, hero deck or success deck uh, with your 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 picked uh, hero. So you the start of the game, you can choose between base game has uh, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Bilbo, and then two um, game-specific characters. I can't remember their names. Not important. Uh, <laughs> no one's going to play them. Let's be honest. You're play- you, 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 you get this game to play as the heroes of the Lord of the Rings story, uh, even though it may not make sense that, you know, Aragorn and, uh, and Ghibli are adventuring together, uh, you know, pre-Lord of the Rings sort of saga right middle earth saga uh, we, i guess it's not middle earth saga but it's fellowship of the ring saga I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah yeah so and they're adventuring <laughs> with bilbo and they're adventuring with bilbo yeah, yeah yeah exactly so you pick one of these uh um characters uh that character will come with a set uh uh number of cards so they'll say you pick aragorn you'll have five or I think it's three actually Aragorn specific cards. Then you will pick a class for for Aragorn. the 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 rule book will kind of like break out which classes work best with what characters. And Aragorn's cla- case, it's the Captain class, which is more like a support character. Uh, that will come with specific. Uh, cards for that class that you shuffle into this deck. Uh, and then you get basically these six other basic cards uh, that are the same across every character. So you get these basic cards, you shuffle those in and one weakness card that ends up just being a card that clogs up your deck. So your deck is made up of these various cards that you will use to determine whether the actions you're taking during your turn are successful or not. Uh, now, this is a app-driven game, and how that plays out is you have, in my case, my phone set up uh, with the, it. you start the app, it'll give you a bit of a story based on the adventure you're going, going on. Uh, the base game comes with one overarching adventure that I think has something like 10 to 15 different scenarios on it uh, in a linear fashion. So you have to start at, you know, uh, episode one or scenario one, and then it moves towards the the, the conclusion, right? Uh, you also are able to buy individual scenarios uh, for essentially the base game and each of the expansions. So 
I have purchased one of these on the app. And what, what that means is that I have the base game adventure that comes with it. That's free on the app. But then I bought a separate adventure that I could use using only the base game uh, components, right? So hmm. it gives you kind of, uh, you know, more to do if you want. If you really like this game and you want to expand your adventures, you can do that. Now, these adventures, like I said, uh, go over a number of chapters, uh, and those chapters are sort of split up into world map chapters and then battle map chapters. Now, the world map uh, chapters are similar to something like Gloomhaven. If you played Gloomhaven, they are tiles that you set up on the board. And the app will tell you where to set these tiles up. Uh, and it'll do it in such a way that a few of these tiles will be set up at the start and the rest will be sort of covered in mist. So you don't know what's there. Right. Uh, other than knowing that, OK, the map is going to grow out in this direction, which was kind of a smart idea on their part uh, to put the mist there. So you, when you're setting it up on the table, you kind of know where to leave empty space because it is a bit of a table hog or can be. Uh, so these tiles, uh, I, I don't want them to to make them seem like they're kind of like just like hexagonal tiles or anything. They they have hexagon uh spots on them because those are basically how the shape of the i guess different areas if you're moving along you'd move hexagon to hexagon but they are in various shapes so one might be like a diamond shaped and another one might be like a forked kind of two path shaped and another right. one you know so they're all random randomly sized tiles that you would place with various artwork of you know caves or or you know a plains or desert area or whatever the case may be um nice little artwork on those and those that's the sort of like overland map that you would move uh the like i said the the app's going to set that up and then you're going to begin your adventure so typically you will shuffle this deck you start with uh and then you'll have some objective uh this isn't a spoiler, but the start of the first adventure says you have to find these, uh, you know, basically thieves, uh, look for these ruffian type people. So that's your first objective. And then you interact with the physical board map uh, and the app at the same time. So I'm going to take my character on your turn. You can do uh, two actions. One of those actions is move. Another one is inter interact. Uh, and then the third is like a an attack action, right? Which is basically an interact, but with an enemy, right? <laughs> so you'll do you'll pick any two of these these options. Say I want to do a move action, I will pick up my character and I will move it along the physical map. If I hit the edge of the map, I can move on to another tile that I know is there, uh, and the app will kind of update you on what else you see it'll it'll move the mist away and it'll it'll mm -hmm. allow you to see okay there's something of interest over here over here and whatnot and that's all represented on the physical board by little tiles and chits uh, or miniatures if they're enemies um and i, I and really liked to uh at one point in the adventure there was one tile with like a bit of a hill and like a like a tree on top yeah, and yeah. then and there was like a point of interest there, and so you went, and then it allowed you to like climb the tree, and then like see out over the valley or whatever, and so then the the app like revealed more of the map, 
because yeah. you did this thing, right? Because you climbed this tree. Yeah. And then anytime the map does that, you do the same thing on the physical table yeah. uh, and set it up that way. So it's a neat sort of interaction um, between the app and then the, the physical presence of the components. Uh, and the cool thing about this whole thing is that it's procedurally kind of generated, right? So each map is going to be different. I've played the first scenario a number of times now because I've, I've played many times. Uh, and each time the map has been similar, uh, but different, hmm. uh, right? So similar in the sense that oftentimes on the, you know, I don't want to spoil that, but it, it, it the setup is can be in a similar say direction or something or, 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 uh, uh, overall appearance, but, uh, it, it, it changes like what tiles you'll pull out and what artworks on those tiles and whatnot. Right. Uh, so that's kind of the, and then any of the interactions on those tiles are often switched up between plays as well. Right. So, you know, you might come across a dusty tome on the ground, right? You go, okay, well, what's that? I want to go investigate that. Well, investigation is another action and you can do that. Uh, and if you're successful, you know, X will happen. Those type of things can change up, you know, between one game. Oh yeah, there's a dusty tome here. In the next game, you know, it's a carcass full of maggots, right? So like, mm -hmm. that's the interaction location that you, 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 you can interact with right so there's all these like many different things that you can interact with so, which is really neat cool that uh and that you i i suppose you could get it randomly but if you had like some sort of card draw mechanic for this that you were drawing similar to the way um i'm trying to think we've played some story games that have like stories on the card but l l let's say similar to something like above and below where you're looking through a booklet and getting, you know, story that way. This mm -hmm. way it's done over an app, right? Uh, but the game, basically, it really comes down to this deck. So this deck is a deck made up of, I'd say, probably about 15 cards, 14 or 15 cards, four of which are um, automatic successes. Uh, so they have this, this star symbol that says you've, you've succeeded one time. Uh, so if you flip this, you know it's a success, right? Um, many of the other cards will have a empty kind of leaf symbol. Those cards can be, uh, if you have inspiration, you can use the inspiration to turn those cards into successes. Uh, and then each of the cards also typically will have some sort of benefit written on the bottom of the card that if you've prepared the card, and I'll talk about prepared later, uh, you could use that benefit while you're trying to do these um these actions, right? Uh, and where I was going with all this is that this card mechanic is if you want to do anything in the game, game uh, sans moving, because moving is just very much, okay, I move one hex to the next, and then I can move one more time, or I can do something else and then move that additional time. So you get to move twice. But if you want to interact or you want to attack, you're going to be referencing your deck. So if you're interacting with something, say it's a uh, tile on the it's it's a uh, chit on the board you want to interact with a point of interest. You'll click on it on the app. You'll say yes, I want to interact with this. It'll give you some story of what it is, and then it'll tell you a, a specific draw that you have to do. So so one of your stats, and I believe there's like five stats: there's wisdom and might, and you know. Uh, 
wit and spirit and that kind of stuff. So it'll say, you know, a wisdom check you have to do and you have to succeed by drawing two successes. And so what you're going to do, you're going to look at your wisdom stat. That'll tell you a number, say it's four. That means you can draw the top four cards of your deck. If you get your two successes, because that's what it said for, it wanted two successes, you succeed. Otherwise, you fail the check and you have options on the app to say failed or or succeeded or whatnot. Uh, and that's that's one type of test. The other type of test is you don't know what the success number is. So you'll just kind of, you'll draw your, your wisdom uh, and then hope you've got enough successes or use some of your inspiration to increase your successes and hopefully... Right. Uh, you know, succeed that way. And the, the attacking is the exact same where if you're doing an attack action, you're doing one of those draw, but usually you're using your weapon, which will designate, you know, either your dexterity or your might, depending on what kind of weapon you have that you're using. Um, and that's really, that's the heart of the game is you're, you're, you're exploring these tiles, you're flipping them over, you're interacting with the map and trying to, to complete whatever the objective is. What do you think about this game, Jordan? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. I was very nervous to play it. Sure. And I think, uh, I think because it's an IP. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like, I'm not like uh, obsessed with Lord of the Rings, but I quite enjoy Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, it's a classic. Um, so I, I was kind of I was kind of nervous that that it might not go well, but it, it was great. Yeah. Um, it the the working with the app and the the physical components, it was like seamless. Um, the 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 deck and success system I thought was very interesting, um, and you're you're talking about uh, inspiration using inspiration to convert um, those leaf symbols into more successes. Like the inspiration was like a limited resource. Yeah. Um, it not not in that there's only so much you can get, but it's hard to get. But then you were mentioning too, like it's a nice, it's a kind of a built-in way to adjust the difficulty. So you're saying on easy, you get way more inspiration, which of course is going to lead to more successes, which is going to make the game easier. Yes. And then as you you move the difficulty marker up, you're going to get less inspiration, which translates to fewer successes and more interesting choices about when to use that inspiration. Right. So uh design wise lots of good things uh about the game uh like lots of great design choices and it was it was fun to play it was engaging like yeah Yeah. the the story elements were were smooth enough like so we were yeah tracking these these bandits right and and you you kind of want to push in, you know, oh, well, well, you know, we might find tracks over here. Like, let's go over there. Oh, but there's the sh- a shiny thing over here. Should, do we get distracted by this shiny thing? Right. Um, but that's going to eat up our, you know, actions and we're on a time limit. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. So there was a a real nice tension the whole time. Um. Yeah, I, th- I I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was great. Yeah, I I think one of the things I really like about this one is it it really feels immersive. Like the the app gives hmm. you sort of that. Um, it gives you background music, uh, very Lord of the Rings esque uh, yeah. music while you're playing, uh, and you know when things are. It's got some sound effects and stuff like that as well, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I definitely every time we're playing, I. F- feel like i'm you know i i'm i'm doing what i'm doing i'm i'm tracking those bandits or i'm trying to you know do x or y whatever i i i'm being intentionally vague here because i don't want to give too much away for story reasons but yeah i feel like i'm doing what i'm saying even the combat to you know a degree yes you're just flipping um cards but like it feels good when you're you know when you're legolas and you're putting down orc after orc kind of thing uh you know like oh yeah look at leko good my my archery skill is and i didn't take one hit or whatever right yeah. or you know watching gimli pull off like this flourish of axe moves or whatever right that yeah is not physically happening but in your mind you can kind of paint that picture yeah uh, and it so helps kind of neat yeah it helped a lot too you got this artwork on these tiles Mm-hmm. And like in one case, right, we put down this tile and there was like a river running through it. And then the points of interest were like in the river. And then if you went and investigated those, it was describing things in, in the water. And like you got yeah, to see yeah. that physically on the board too. And, and same thing with the tree that I was mentioning. Like you saw this tree painted physically on these tiles and then when you interact with it, it's, it's telling you, but so it, at one point there were ruins and like, so you went and you were investigating the ruins. Like it, yeah, very immersive. Uh, I I really liked that. Yeah. And, and then uh, it's all, the story's all narrated. Yes. Yeah. 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 And well, you know, I have a soft spot for voice acting, right? Like voice actor did a, a great job and it and it all that all that together really helps you get into the game oh for sure yeah it really helps yeah with the with the immersion of the game right i will say like one of the things it's such an interesting mix of this one here because this deck is so important where you're where you only have a limited number of successes in it and yes uh inspiration becomes very important uh for bumping up those successes right when you need to and hopefully you do it at the proper time and and whatnot right um the randomness of that deck can can hurt you sometimes right like there's Mm -hmm. gonna be bad games where you play where you just like you're not drawing any successes or you're not drawing any cards because some of the cards uh are great cards to have prepared and i'll I'll again i'll explain prepared in about 10 seconds here uh but they don't have a success symbol and they don't have a leaf symbol. So they really, if you're drawing those during a, an action, uh, it really is not good news, right? Like right. that just clogs up that uh, draw, right? Especially if it's a draw where you're only drawing, I was saying wisdom and you're drawing four cards, you might be drawing only two cards or yeah, only yeah. one card in the case of, you know, Gimli with his agility, right? Yep. 
So he's this big armored dwarf. His agility is is a one, right? So, okay, you got to succeed on this check. You get one try at it, right? Yeah. Um, so if that, it's a trade-off, right? Because, okay, that randomness, it's going to suck when it goes the wrong way, right? And it's going to, it can feel bad, right? I've done all this and then all, you know, all I needed was one success, and I didn't get that success at the wrong time. And now I've, I, everything bad happened at once. And now I've lost the scenario, right? It's not going to happen all the time, but it could happen that way. Right. Uh, and that's very upsetting. Right. But what it does do, and we talked about this during the game is it creates that tension that, okay, I got two chances here. I got to draw these two cards. Come on. And then you're kind of flipping the, the card and, Oh, I got one set. Oh, Oh my goodness, I just need the one success. And we we finish it. We like we 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 won, right? And then you're you're slowly so it creates that that tension that you wouldn't get if it was determined dice, right? Or if it was rolling dice. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you you have that feeling of tension uh that just this creates, right? The 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 mechanisms really create it. And that I feel like the trade-off to have that is worth it. Uh, again, yeah, you can have those bad games and it sucks. But when you have the good stuff, we got into a situation where it was like, it's all over. We're like done. Uh, and then like you were about to lose. And the way you lose is essentially if one of your heroes dies. So they take enough damage or fear those are really your two health kind of um areas on your on your on your player board uh and they each character is different some are can take a lot of fear and some can take a lot of damage some can take medium of both right so gimli had worse fear but i think at one point you know if you ever you meet meet uh your fear quota or your or your damage quota you take like a last stance kind of check and it's a check similar to any of the other checks. Uh, but if you don't succeed, you die and then you yeah. lose, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you end that scenario and it's a campaign scenario. So maybe you don't die, but you're knocked unconscious and you lose the scenario and then you progress onto the next scenario. And, you know, maybe you're starting with a disadvantage or whatever the case may be. Right. Uh, but yeah, we had a situation where you had damage and and I think fear as well. Mm-hmm. So you had to make back to back of these these, you know, last last uh, chance kind of kind of things. And it was like, oh, we're we're there's no way. Yeah. Right. And you happen to. You know, just the setup of like, you know, you had one card that helped you do with one, but then also you were at the end of your draw deck. So that means you got to, you know, reshuffle your deck again and then draw cards from the new deck. And that means it put the, you know, four successes that were in the your your discard pile back into the draw pile. So now you had like a four and, you know, 15 chance of actually drawing a success on this, right? And you did it, 
right? So yeah. you succeeded on the first and we're like, oh, wow, well, my God, we're so close. We're so close. <laughs> and then you, and that was just like such a like overwhelming, like, oh, yes, this is amazing, right? What a feeling like that. You wouldn't get that without this type of mechanic, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was great. And then to follow that up with like sinking your axe in the face of this, you know, the enemy that we were fighting, uh, you know, that was a big conclusion to that chapter right yeah so that was really really neat uh i said i was going to get back to prepared card in 10 seconds so basically at the start the game is played over rounds so you have a um rally phase at the start of a round where you're going to draw cards uh typically it's two uh from the top of your deck uh and then you can prepare one card which means you can place it under your player board uh and that card the you know, uh, words on that card, whatever the card says it will do, can be used during your turn, right? So some of them will say, if you're doing a might check, add a success, discard this card to add a success, right? So there's, those are ways to increase, you know, your success, your successes during, you know, specific uh, things. Or some of them say add extra attacks or whatever the case may be, right? So they give you some extra stuff. So that's what a prepared card is, is that you get to prepare a card so that during your turn or a later turn, you can use that card to give you a better chance of, of succeeding. And you can have up to four of these cards prepared at one time. Now, when you scout, uh, you'll draw the top two cards or three cards, depending on what the scout number is. Uh, but in the rally phase, generally two. Uh, so you take these two, you can keep one, and then you can choose what to do with the other card. So you can put it on the top of your deck or you can put it on the bottom of your deck, right? So this also gives you a bit of mitigation in that random deck where okay i've got this success card and i got this other card i'm going to prepare the other card and i'm going to put the success on top of my deck so that i know the next interaction i have i'm going to be drawing at least one success right so there's some of the mitigation and i love that about it so that's really neat so that's that's preparing the cards uh and then yeah, you you just have certain things that you will will deal with your deck and and do things like that, right? So I think ah, I really I really like that, and 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 it, and it adds to you know that that getting rid of the negative aspects of that randomized deck, but also keeping the the tension of the deck too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, and I I remember you describing it before in a previous episode, and I was just like. What are you talking about? But when you actually do it and play with it, it's it's not it's not complex. Um, but it's because we were talking about the difference between doing it like that with with a deck of cards with successes versus rolling dice and just having like a DC on the dice or something like. Um, and then, you know, possibly having modifiers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It came up so many times where, okay, I, I, I want to do two actions this turn. And if one of those is not moving or, you know, like if you're doing two different actions that involve checks. Yes. If there's only four successes in that deck, you know, you don't you want enough on both checks <laughs> and, and yeah okay so some of it's kind of random but yeah you're scouting you're preparing these cards so you're manipulating your deck in those ways um 
and it's it's hard because sometimes you're like okay i need like two successes to pass this check and you draw four cards and like three of them are successes and you're like oh like a now I've wasted a success that I needed for the next check, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. That that adds, yeah, like a wonderful tension that you wouldn't get if just out of dice rolls. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And and even to the point where sometimes, yeah, you've seen all four of your successes come up. Yeah. And now you have to do a defense, you know, uh, it's the same thing with right. defense. You're doing a defense check and you're going. Well, I can't succeed this because I know they're all in my discard right now, right? Right. Uh, so that adds to the, you know, part of that uh, where, where then you have to start planning your turns. Okay, if I run in here, they're going to attack me and I can't defend. Uh, I have one, maybe I have one inspiration. Okay, so I can perhaps defend, right? Uh, right? You know, so you start to like... <laughs> How much risk do you want to take? Do I want to? And then, of course, you know, with us, we decided, okay, we're going to take this risky play on the first map. And it was like, (laughs) okay, do we risk you moving and taking the other thing the enemies get is these opportunity attacks if you leave their location? Yeah, let's let's chance it. Let's have you move from two enemies <laughs> to go to this other check and then try and like succeed on it so that we might have the option of getting more stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause getting stuff is cool too. Cause sometimes you interact and the whole game is set up where you can, you have these item cards uh, that you start with. So you start with a weapon, you start with a, uh, you know, maybe some sort of armor and then you might, you know, have something else like a garb or something. Right. Uh, and those are kind of static cards that don't get mixed up in your deck, uh, but they will have some sort of special ability. So in your case, you had this ring mail that damaged your agility by one. So lowered it from two to an actual one. Um, but it also meant that if you had to take a check for being damaged or something, you could just do a check based on your might, which was your highest um yeah well it, deal, let right? me basically roll any other skill or attribute a, right. as if it were a might check yeah um, so and might was your best attribute yeah, right so yeah, yeah. so like that you have you can get these items and then there's you know decks of cards outside of the game that can bring in more stuff so not to give stuff away but you had found a tome at some uh a point i had found in previous games like apples and stuff like that uh where you get these you know item cards that you then get to keep from scenario to scenario to scenario uh and it's just like an extra little perk that you might get right you yes they they have limited usage that you could use in one in one scenario but that's the end of the scenario they re- replenish their uses and you can bring yeah. them into later scenarios right uh and then because this is a campaign came too uh you after every scenario your character will get experience you also gain these lore points uh, and each of your items will have specifically the items and the lore will have like a lore threshold. And once you hit, hit that threshold, your item will upgrade. So if you have something like, you know, a steel sword, it might upgrade to, you know, a named sword of some sort or something. Right. So mm-hmm. once you hit a thir- certain threshold for lore. Uh, and that's like everybody's items, even the items you pick up will have upgraded versions based on the this lore tracker that the app keeps track of as well which is kind of nice it does the bookkeeping for you uh the other thing in between scenarios is you get 
with that experience, you can use that experience to buy additional cards for your deck. Uh, now there, I feel like you also have to be careful because oftentimes what's on the cards is good for a, if they're prepared, then you could use the text, but they don't have a success on them. So you're diluting your deck from those four successes in, you know, 14 cards to now four successes in 15 cards and 16 cards and 17, right? So you yeah. might, you know, it might make it trickier for actually succeeding on things. Uh, but the powers sometimes are very good. So it's it's a hard trade-off to have to make. Uh, it worked in our favor. We did uh, yes. the one time, though. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then the other thing I didn't talk about, so I talked about the Overland map. Then you have um, a uh, battle map, uh, which essentially are these two you f- large squares that you flip over that each have... I think it's like uh, two, maybe five blocks on them that you can move to, right? So you put these two battle mats next to each other, and then they get some sort of terrain on them. So it might be, you know, walls. It might be a statue. It might be... Now, these are... 2d so they're they're all chits that makes up it might be a river it might be you know a fire or like a campfire or you know a a thing of barrels or something like that right but you set up these things and it's almost like a battle map like you would use in i don't want to say a miniatures game but like something like let's say underworlds or something where you have this hex-based map in this case the rectangles but you would set up like um you know terrain pieces that you can interact with and and whatnot right Uh, and give bonuses to combat and then you'll have like some sort of little mini um adventure in this smaller map right and then that tells its own kind of story as well right so it it does this neat thing of of changing up the game a bit between these two different modes that it's not you're not always doing the same thing uh, I'm doing the dungeon crawl. I'm going through the dungeon and doing this and doing this and doing this and doing this. No, now you're now you're in a uh, you know a, a a mystery deduction map, right? Or now you're in you know, like a small skirmish kind of map, and now you're in, in the overland map, and you're trying to do this, right? So it, it does a good job of switching things up to make things kind of fresh from scenario to scenario, all, all under the overarching you know campaign story, which was they've done a really good job of. I, I think the last thing I kind of want to say on this one, like I I really I really dig this game. I have a lot of fun uh playing it. It's very immersive. Um you made a comment uh about the game after we played that uh you know what it really doesn't have to have the Lord of the Rings theme on it. Right, yeah. Um because you could really make this a generic dungeon crawl. It it doesn't really need to be tied. Uh, the fact that you have, you know, Aragorn there, it, it, he could be Bob. Like, that, like it, it, there's really, <laughs> it's not a real deep connection to, uh, I guess, uh, you know, Tolkien's work. Um, but the fact that it is Lord of the Rings, it's it's kind of nice for at least having some sort of theme rather than a generic fantasy theme, even though yeah. I like generic fantasy, right? Um so, you know, I, I, I really dig this one. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. If you look on BGG, uh, people have, like, taken this game and, like, done 
pretty neat stuff where they've painted the miniatures and have actually like put physical terrain on their boards and everything digital instead of using a phone like we did they have it up on like a tv screen and stuff like that was very neat to do and i think you know if you were really into this game that'd be a great way of doing this uh, doing the setup right um i'm a much more relaxed player when we play games so that's <laughs> too much work for me <laughs> but yeah no i i think this game is great um I enjoy playing every time we play it, every time I play it. And uh, I was glad to to get it to the table with, uh, with you. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had fun. Um, I wouldn't mind continuing the campaign, you know. Um, well, I, I mean, like, I, I want to is... talk about, I want to say something, but it's spoilers, right? So yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I mean, I played this game in my collection already now so i can't play it for the rest of the year so oh, well, <laughs> we'll see about next year but <laughs> <laughs> no for sure we gotta we, we, I, i'd love to play this some more and and see where the campaign takes us for sure a lot of fun the next game on our list is viticulture essential edition Viticulture Essential Edition is a one to six player worker placement game designed by Jamie Stegmeyer, Alan Stone, Morton Monrad Pedersen, and illustrated by Beth Sobel and published by Stonemeyer Games. The goal of the game is to reach 20 victory points. At the end of the round, in which at least one player has reached 20 victory points, the player with the most victory points is the winner. Each round represents a year of running a vineyard, with phases of the game broken down into seasons. In the spring, players choose a place on the turn order track. The spaces on the turn order track provide increasingly lucrative benefits the further back or later in the turn you're willing to go. Once everyone has placed, you move into summer with the players going in the turn order decided upon during spring. Summer is the first of the two player action phases. In summer, players place worker meeples onto the summer action spaces, which thematically include building buildings, planting and growing your grapevines, buying and selling grapes and fields, and giving tours of your vineyard for a cash bonus. Once a player is done taking summer actions, they may pass, keeping any unused meeples for the winter actions. But before winter comes fall, and once all players have passed on the summer, the fall phase occurs, during which players may take either a summer or a winter visitor card. Now, visitor cards are special action cards that do a large variety of things, such as doing normal actions, but usually a little bit stronger, sacrificing resources for points, completing actions at a discount, and a bunch of other different things. Playing a Summer Visitor card requires one to take the Play Summer Visitor card action in the Summer phase, and likewise playing a Winter Visitor card requires placing a meeple on the Play Winter Visitor card action space in the Winter phase. Uh, winter is the second of the two 
player action phases. And in winter, players will harvest their fields, turn grapes into wine, take and fulfill wine orders, and also hire new worker meeples. At the end of the year, all grapes and wines that players have will age one year, meaning that they increase in value. And that is viticulture in a nutshell. It's a worker placement game through and through. But I actually, I I made a comment last night that like, it's such a fresh take on a worker placement that even now, like this game was done in 2012, I believe. And like, if this had come out this year, I would have been like, oh, wow, what a neat, fresh take on a a worker placement game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I said to that, yeah, yeah, it definitely feels very modern uh, compared to, like, even some stuff that comes out now, (laughs) you know, you'd be like, oh, did did this game get made like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but then no, right. this, this game is, is very much the opposite where it's, you know, it's, it feels, it feels new. It feels like yeah. it uh, could hold up now if it came out now. Right. So it's, it, like I said, it's a worker placement game and that is the main mechanic. The whole, you know, game focuses uh, around that. So if you know what worker placement is, you, you know what you're doing in this game, but the there's, there's, I would say two like hooks. To this so one is that the game is broken into summer actions and winter actions and the summer actions are basically focused around uh planting you know grow, growing your your grapes growing your vines planting them buying and selling grapes and and fields building structures that sort of thing, Give, giving giving uh, tours of your vineyard to for income, right? And then the winter, the winter actions are more focused on okay, harvesting your grapes and then and then turning those grapes into wine, uh, which is the other hook of this game. You're going to play in the, in the summer. You get vine cards, so green cards that you have to draw out of this deck. And it's going to be sort of random whether you get like a low value grape or a high value grape. Uh, and it could be that uh, you get white uh, or red grapes, or you could get ones with both. And then you're going to plant them in your fields and your fields have a certain value restriction on them. So there's five, six and seven value fields. And then when you come to harvest, you're going to add up the values of these red and white grapes. And then you're going to get these little glass tokens that you put on your little player tableau that says, okay, well, if I'm harvesting out of this field and it has a total of three value for white grapes and two value for red grapes, well, then that's what you're going to get on your crush pad, it's called, on your little tableau. And then if you turn those into wine, similarly, you're going to get, you know, a three and a two value wine. But every round, so every year, those grapes and your wine are going to age. And then there's, uh, you know, a neat mechanic where you have to build like a bigger cellar to get more higher value wines. And then building larger cellars also unlocks uh, your ability to make blush wines and sparkling wines by combining multiple grapes. And then 
ultimately, there's lots of different ways to get uh, victory points, uh, including taking orders for these wines, and then you're going to be selling your wines by fulfilling these orders, and that's going to give you uh, victory points and some residual income. So that's the gist of it. But there's a lot of, like I said, little ways to to get extra victory points throughout the whole game. One of the bonuses on the track is is to get a victory point. Um, Building certain buildings will give you victory points when you take certain actions. And then there are are cards, visitor cards, uh, which that's what happens in in the fall is you gain visitor cards. And these are basically... Thematically, like people coming to your vineyard and like helping out or, or, you know, working or, or maybe inspecting or, you know, otherwise assisting or interfering with the operation of your business. Uh, but, but mechanically, they can be powerful bonuses uh, and, or, or boons to, you know, take multiple actions at once or gain a huge amount of victory points by sacrificing certain things or whatever, and just adds so much variety uh, to the game uh, through these through these cards. So I'm rambling now. Thomas, what did uh, what did you think? I I really like this one. So we 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 played it. Um, and then, and then I have the app for this that I'd never played cause I was waiting till you taught me the rules essentially. Uh, and we played it before I, I, I started it. I've now played it on the app, I think four or five times, uh, <laughs> cause I enjoyed it that much. Like it, it's a really fun sort of puzzle you got to figure out. And I love the aspect of the using your workers in the summertime, uh, but if you use them, then you won't have them in the winter time mm-hmm. uh, to use them there. That's a very neat sort of um, puzzle there. But also, you never want to. It's a little it, actually. It's a little different on the on the on the summer than it is in the. If you save too many for the winter, you also might find that you know all the spots get taken up before you've used all your your workers, right? So then that's another risk that you're taking. Uh, by bringing too many workers, because if you pass and then your opponent passes, it's like, oh, wow, we're both bringing a bunch of workers to the end. So I guess we got to share whoever gets to those spots first, you know, gets them kind of thing. Right. So that was a really that's a really neat aspect. Um, one of the things I find interesting. I, there's cards involved, right? You're drawing vine cards you're drawing customer cards for to buy your wines um you know uh you're drawing those those people that come in the summer visitors and the winter visitors right i've had a game where i drew extremely poorly Mm -hmm. uh i won it i still won so like on one hand i was like i feel like you could get a game where you draw poorly and then that just you know you're done your your opponent draws really well uh but then the fact that i won that game that i was just drawing i drew all the wrong grapes and all the cut so i would draw i i kept drawing really nice white wine grapes and i'm talking like fours and threes and stuff like that right and multiple threes like i had a very strong white wine 
presence mm-hmm. uh, in the cards I was drawing for the vines. And then the customers were all red wine customers, <laughs> yeah. right? And I was like, oh my goodness, right? Or the the uh, the sparkling wines, I got a you know a few with those customers, but you need two red wines, yeah. red grapes, and one white grape. And I was like. I don't have the red grapes, right? Now, that game, I I started focusing on getting more customer cards. And then at least a few, I had a, I had a little bit of red coming in that I was able to do some of the blushes and, you know, do those cards, right? So, and I ended up winning that way. Uh, but that was really, you know, that was kind of like a, I wonder, I wondered about it, even in our play, I wonder if you could get, you know, messed up with sort of card draws here. And I don't think that's a big, I I don't think so. I think if you're playing still well, even with bad draws, uh, you, you can still do decently in the game. And I feel like that's the same, even with something like a scythe, where you have those, um, cards, the, 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 uh, encounters? the encounter cards, you know, I flip an encounter card and you flip an encounter card and my encounter card was amazing for me this turn or whatever, right? I got a whole mech out of it for very little and yours got you one food or something like that, you know? So yeah. you could have a situation like that. But over the course of the entire play, I feel like it's very much muted of how much of an impact that's actually going to have overall. Mm-hmm. Um you know, in a side thing, maybe you finish a turn earlier and maybe that's enough. But I, you know, I never feel like in the in the five games I've played on the digital version now, it hasn't really come up where I've lost and can completely be like, well, that game was was garbage because of you know this or something, right? So I feel like that's a good thing for it. Like it's got these the this neat drawing, and uh, but then you you have to sort of work in your how do i make this work for me now right yeah okay i don't have a lot of uh red grapes here but if i can get a little red grape presence maybe i can get some of those blushes going and that'll be enough to cover the reds um you know if i can get the blush cards and the whites and just the white right so there's enough of everything in there that you can kind of pivot a bit and i don't think you lose too much doing so Right. And there's so many different avenues to gain points too, right? So you can it, you know, on the wake up track every turn, you can take that point. Um yes. when when we played, I I got lucky in as the sense that I got to start with a windmill, mm-hmm. and the windmill says whenever you plant a vine card, you gain a point. Um so you could like take these other strategies instead of like trying to f- just fulfill wine orders, right? Uh, there's visitor cards where like you can discard wine to get points. Uh, y- you know, you you can if you uh, build structures, like if you build a structure worth you know six dollars or sorry lira, uh, mm. six lira, then you get a point. Like there's so many different ways. Okay. The wine orders give you big points like in one go, but there are so many other avenues to get points. I feel like 
yeah, if you're just getting unlucky draws w- between your your grapes and your wine orders, well, you can. There's other avenues you can take, right? And you just have to sort of pivot and. Yeah, and and this is what's interesting about this one too, because there's often games where seemingly there's lots of options, mm. uh, but some are just traps, right? I don't feel that is the case with this one. Now, the games I've played, I've only really sold the wines and gone that route where right. I've developed my my wines, whatever. But the AI in one of the games I played um, took a route, and now the AI wasn't perfect because i was like you know what if i did that strategy i would have done it better than they did it um yeah because what they did was there there's a building you can do that when you're doing uh going on the wine tours you get a victory point as long right. as you have a wine whatever right um they kind, sort of did this strategy in the in the in the game i was playing and i got to see how that was working and it was working well because they had that and then later on they got a windmill um but then somewhere around the halfway mark, the AI just started to like trying to fulfill customer orders. And I was like, <laughs> clearly it's 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 not a human opponent, but like if you were a human opponent, you would stick to the strategy that you already built. And like I was looking at it and they're like, no, that's a silly move. Don't do that. Yes, you're gonna get four points, but like you could literally be, you know, going on a Take doing a tour, uh, and then planting a thing and getting getting a point for the windmill, getting a point for your tour, and then getting a point for going on the on the you know wake up track. That's three points per turn just to do that, and then dabble in some of those customer orders, right? And I feel like that could have been a viable strategy if the AI was smarter. Right. Now I was playing against a regular. Uh, uh, the normal level AI. So maybe if I was playing against the hard AI, it would have done that. Um, but yeah, like I feel like that could have easily been a viable strategy to have done. Now, part of what I was doing to stop them from doing that is I kept putting a worker on the um, vineyard tour to stop them from... And I can't remember, if you go there... Can you go there twice or could you only get the point once per year? I can't quite remember. Yeah, you can I, only get the point once per year. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. Because that's one thing. Because you get, like you said, uh, you get that uh, uh, so I didn't day work, right? I didn't mention this yet, oh, actually. Oh, you didn't mention it. Okay, So yeah. uh, you, you start with two regular workers and then a grande worker. And, the you know, the regular workers go on you know, open spots like normal, the grande worker can go on any spot, even if it's already been taken. So that, that's what the grande worker is. Uh, the same, same thing as in, in pendulum. Yeah. They, they did yeah. that. Uh, but it, it's nice because it, it just adds that like one action. If you just need that one action, you know, you can take it. It, it takes away the uh, frustrating aspect uh, that a worker placement could have. Mm. Uh, and that is that I really need to take this action this turn, but someone's always going there and I can never take that action, right? It gets rid of that feeling. No, save, save your grande worker and you can take that action, right? Mm. No matter what, right? So 
I'd like that. I dig that sort of mechanic to adding that little variant in there on how that those workers uh, work in a worker placement. I think that's brilliant. And I and I would encourage more worker placements to include that uh, because it's it's a it it's a it's a more feels good uh, addition to a game. Right. Yeah. Um, where you don't feel like it's you know, this is just everyone's going there. I can't get first turn and blah, 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 blah whatever the reasons are. And I cannot get to the space. Right. Um, well, now you can. Uh, so, yeah, that th- so I kept going in this position so that the AI would have to use its, you know, grande ver- worker. And then I knew on the winter side of things, I could go wherever and they wouldn't be able to take that action kind of thing. Right. So yeah. I play my action accordingly. OK, I know that the AI has to make some wines. So I'm going to pit play, play, <laughs> place my worker in the, you know, wine conversion spot or whatever right um and they've already used yeah. their grande worker so you know he, you're, you're them blocking out, yeah. them there yeah 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 but yeah no that, that it's it's a lot of fun this was great yeah for sure and 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 it feels very modern it feels very it feels good uh and there's a lot to do and a lot of there's a good thought process it's the per it's not too heavy uh once you start playing it it's very easy to grasp uh, and then, but it's got that depth of play that, and the avenues of play that you can go in various directions or pivot, uh, and still come out on top. And it's got that mm. sort of tension of, if we can make it to the next turn, I can have a big play here. Uh, once you get close to the end, right? So, right. Yeah. And just that addition of like that break in between the summer actions and the winter actions makes such an interesting decision space where you're like okay yeah do i use up a lot of my workers here and then i don't have as many in the winter or and you're watching what your opponent's doing and oh they're yeah yeah they're taking a lot of summer actions so i'll save my workers and and uh for the winter because then it's going to be wide open right or or vice versa and like yeah you're trying to figure what is my opponent going to try to do this turn can I block it? Can I play against it? Can I, you know, do I not worry about it? I know what I need to do. Are they going to fight me on it? And that, but that breaking, breaking it up into two separate phases, like adds some information, which, yeah, makes those decisions more interesting. I don't know how to describe it to someone who's never played it, but like when you're in the moment, it, it really does affect the game uh, in interesting ways. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like really want to stress how cool that is. It's very cool. Like it's very neat. Um, I, it's hard to express because you're like, yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. But no, no, no. It's, it's a very neat because just the situations that can arise because of it. Uh, and I'll give you okay. So the first time we played uh, Castles of Burgundy, um, you got a slight rule wrong, and <laughs> I realized it playing the app afterwards. I was like, "Wait, right. what's going on here?" And I couldn't figure it out. Right, and then I came. Well, I go and I turn on the app. Actually, that night I get home at like you know midnight, and I'm like, "I got to play this again." So <laughs> I played till like one thirty. Uh, so I loaded up, and I didn't realize that the uh my opponent 
passed right away. So then I got like all my first turns out where like I took an action and then I could take another action and then I could take another. And I was like, did Jordan get the rules wrong in this too? Like <laughs> fundamentally wrong. And then I realized, oh no, he's just passed the entire you know, first summer season, it went straight to winter, right? Right. I, I was so confused. Like, it was a good solid, like, 10 minutes. I'm going, what is happening here? And I'm pulling up the rule book and going, do I have to? I he passed. That's what he did. Okay. He just, you know, it's just a random. But the worst possible, like, scenario to happen on the very first game I pull up. And right. then some weird corner case happens, right? So, <laughs> that was good. But yeah, but those are the type of things like right away, the AI, uh, now I was, play, I played the easy and it was just a dumb decision, right. but it went straight to the winter, but that's the type of thing. So then I had like full reign of a summer, summer actions. I could do whatever I yeah. want. So I was like, you know what? I kind of want to use all three of my workers right here on this first turn. Right. Well, I can go to the winter. I feel like the flow of the game is that. In at the beginning of the game, you want to take those summer actions because they sort of set things up, yeah. right? And yeah. then the winter actions are more reaping the the be yeah, you know, reaping, <laughs> harvesting, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, like so early game, I feel like people are going to fight over those summer actions, and then it sort of trans transfers over to the winter actions that are more valuable, right? It's so funny though, too, because then there's even the like certain situations might arise where like you get an early, early plant. That's a decent one. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of want to harvest it in the winter and then bottle it into a wine too, because you know that that wine is going to, you know, or that grape or wine, depending on where you get it is going to age. Uh, and it'll get like, you know, better, Per right. se, or like you be so you get sometimes, yeah, you like the start of the game, something like that, an opportunity arises. It's like, oh, I could have this grape, you know, already harvested already. And that puts me in like, I'll have almost a five on turn two. And if I get a customer that wants just to, like that's an early, you know, because some of those customers too, I don't know if you touch on that, but some of them will have like a, um, if you fulfill an order. They'll also have a uh, passive income uh, increase on it. So between turns, so once you go from your winter back over to your springtime and summer, you'll get a coin or maybe mm -hmm. two coins, or and they're passive, so they they stack. So you might get three coins, right? At the at by like you know four or five turns in or whatever, right? So you know, getting an early order off. Can be good sometimes if things all align up, right? So yeah. it's, it's there's so many like little different things, and and I love it because it be, then it becomes like not only strategic you're trying to build a strategy, but like you have tactical options that arise because of the board state or because of the cards you drew uh, at the start of the game or the buildings you got at the start of the game, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah very very neat. I really like. I really enjoyed it. And that's neat too, because like Lyra in this game, I don't want to say it's hard to come by, but it's hard to come by. Like, yeah, the, you never have enough <laughs> and, no. and, and you're, you're always short and like your options really are 
give the tour, which if your opponent's done that and blocked it, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, and then you could always put a worker uh, down to gain one Lyra. But that's like, that's tough. That's a tough decision to make, right? You're spending a whole action just to gain one Lyra. So yeah. those orders where you get this reoccurring income, it like, yeah, like you said, like you get that early on in the game that can make a big difference. But but then some of those are so hard to get too because it's a lot of work to yeah. plant plant a vine. Then you got to harvest the vine. Uh, then you got to turn the grape into a wine, and then you got to take an action to fulfill the order. And you have There's, to have the order card. And so yeah, right. So you have to have the order card. So that could be another action, right? So like there's there's a bunch of different steps in there you get a big payoff yeah in victory points let's say and then the reoccurring income but there's a lot of steps which is smart because that's what makes the other options viable for strategies doing the okay i'm i'm getting one point every round because i'm doing tours or whatever right um yeah because it took two rounds before I got this four and then you got, you know, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, that would, that's what makes these different strategies viable as well. I should note too, because I think even you, like when when I was teaching the game, when you plant vines, like then when you harvest them, they, the the cards don't go away. Yeah. So if you get a field like maxed out for value of grapes, you know, then it's it's there for the rest of the game unless you pull it up, which is an action. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can so you keep harvesting. So it's like it's an investment that then you know later on in the game, it's a little bit easier, I guess, to fulfill those wine orders in that you don't then have to you know get a vine card and plant a vine card, which is you know two actions sort of out of that equation. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, so I want to go back up just quickly to uh, when you said the uh, about the lira. Like it's not hard to come by, but it is hard to come by. It, it really reminds me because you want to spend those lira on um, the structures, uh, but it reminds me of Galaxy Trucker and the rulebook of Galaxy Trucker. It goes over all the different components that you can purchase for your ship, and it goes, you know, okay, you want thrusters because they help you travel. Uh, So thrusters are really important. So you want to have as many as you can, Uh, but you want storage (laughs) containers because you want to store things uh, and that's how you're going to sell stuff. So you want as many storage containers as you can fit into your ship. Uh, But you also want laser cannons because that's how you're going to, but you want as many laser and it goes on everything (laughs) you want as much. But I feel like the buildings are the same way in this. Okay. I want the trellis because it allows me to have these types of uh, grapes. Uh, but I also want the, what's the other thing that the irrigation the irrigation because it allows yeah. me to have these types. But then I also need the <laughs> warehouse here, and then I need the the next upgrade to the warehouse. But yeah, then I also seller. want the the cellar. Then yeah. I want the uh, the yoke because it allows me to do. And then I want <laughs> all the buildings. You know, like I feel like you want. All of them. And they all cost a bunch. Yeah. And that's competing with getting more workers because you have to pay to train workers. So, yeah, you're like, well, I need 
I need the trellis now so I can plant so I can get the grapes so I can sell stuff and get money. But I, but I need the worker now. So it's yeah. 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 Such an interesting, yeah. Lots of trade-offs in this one, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah. I just felt like everything you wanted, you want to do everything often mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you just can't. So you have to, you have to choose what you're going to do. Now I did get, there was one building on there. That's the cottage. And it essentially what it allows you to do. And instead of um, getting one card during the fall, uh, so one visitor card, it allows you to take two visitor cards. Mm -hmm. And I was curious how this would play out. And surprisingly, it's a very good building too. Oh, maybe unsurprisingly. Yeah. Uh, So just having that extra card, you know, the, the card aspect, the visitor aspect of this game is really good too. I really dig it. Uh, like it, it, it's fun because not only oftentimes you're trying to set up, okay, I'm going into this winter period. I don't have any winter vi- visitors. So I want to take this. I have some good winter visitors. So maybe I'm going to take a summer visitor so that when I go back there, then I could use those. Right. So you, you have these decisions on what visitors you're going to, you're going to take, but they all, oftentimes will give you sort of a way to take an action without placing your worker on that action. Right. So maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, the, the bottle action is gone already, but you have this card that allows you to take a free bottle action. That is fantastic. Now I don't have to take the bottle action right away because I have this backup one. So I can wait to see if someone takes that. And then if they do, then I can go over to the play this card, play that one and play the bottle action or whatever. Right. And some of them do things like, you know, you can plant one card and you can harvest one card. You do pick two, plant one card, harvest a card or or take take a uh, victory point. OK, I'm going to yeah. plant it and then I'm going to harvest it right away. That's great. Right. Yep. Like yep. so some of them are just, you know, and 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 then that's out of like season too. sometimes you can you know, harvest during the summer when you typically wouldn't be or plant during the winter when you typically wouldn't be. Right. So yeah, they just, it adds that extra kind of layer that I think is really neat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we've only ever played at two players. Uh, well, I've certainly only ever played at two players. Um, but when you increase the player count, so three to four players, it unlocks an additional space on every action. Uh, yeah. And at five to six players, it unlocks an additional space on every action. So uh, so scales up that way. The other neat thing is the second space. So if you're playing a three to four player game or, or higher, uh, you get an, there's a bonus that goes with taking that second space. So we didn't get to play with this uh, two player, but uh, like it might be, for instance, like in the the draw a vine card action, you get to draw two cards instead of one. Um, and similarly for plant, you get to plant two cards instead of one. Uh, but it might just be like you okay you you get an extra victory point or you get more lira, you know. So uh, and that can I don't know. I just thought I'd mention it. I don't have any other comments on it because again we we haven't played this way yet yeah no and i've only played the digital with yeah. one one other one um 
which I kind of dig though too. Yeah, it's less to sort of focus on as well. But uh, so I'm gonna confess now. <laughs> um, I've avoided saying it, but <laughs> I wanted to play the digital to, so that I knew the rules and could teach the game. Sure. And then so I sort of I played it, and once I figured it out. I couldn't stop playing it. So I played like several games on the digital version before we played our game. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like this is one too that like future plays, like I feel like I would do much better now than I did our first game. Because uh, yeah. you just pick up a little things. Okay, maybe that's not as important uh, as I originally thought it was, right? The first game I played when we played uh, I kept taking the the worker action. So I was always going second, but I was getting this extra worker. And I thought, this is great. This is great. It wasn't that great. And I've never used it since. And the AI has never taken that right. uh, during, yeah. you know, so I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure that that's the greatest spot to take unless right. you really need an extra action or something because you're starved. Or maybe it's better in multiplayer games. I don't know. I think yeah. that track comes way more into play if you've got more people, right? Yeah. 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 Which would but make it, sense. Yeah. Like I was saying, I'm not going to take an extra worker if I'm going to use that worker to take an action that one of those other spots, you know, gives me up front. Yeah. Yeah. So if for I sure. need a vine card this turn, like that's slot number two. So why would I go last? Uh, to you know, to get an extra worker, if I'm going to use one of my workers to get a vine card, when I can potentially be going first and yeah. get that vine card up front. So, but like, but the extra worker adds flexibility too. So, yeah, I, I I think what I found oftentimes was taking that extra worker, and then I'd run out of spaces to actually go to. So then yeah. those workers just ended up going to, you know, the one lira spot. So it was like really throughout the game, the amount of times I wasted that one worker, I feel like it. Yeah, it's a situational benefit you should take sparingly. And I think yeah, yeah I think yeah. you had it right with like. With your yeah, with that thought process, basically, if I need a vine card, I'll just go in the second position, get that vine card, right? I've used that to a much better success rate on the app uh, than you know taking that extra worker ever ever worked in those turns, right? One thing that that did do would because you kept taking the extra worker, I was like, okay, I have to buy another worker this turn just to keep up with Thomas, right? Like, and I was, yeah. but you were doing the same thing. So <laughs> I was always one behind, but I didn't want to be like two or three behind, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I think most turns, I think I, one or two turns, I didn't buy a worker and, you know, until I had max, Um. That's that's the other thing too with the max. I think there was one turn where I ended up with two workers ahead of you because I had the extra worker and I had one worker when you didn't buy a worker, right? Um, <clears throat> but by that time, like I maybe had five and you had three or something or whatever the case may be. But as soon as you got that fourth one, it 
really didn't make much of a difference between like having three workers and the grande worker worker or four workers in the grande one and five workers in the grande one you because of the limited space uh, options yeah and only being able to go to a location once really it, it you could get away with maybe only having four workers in the grande worker right uh, and not buying that fifth worker ever kind of thing, right? So there's th- that's that's an interesting thing as well that I feel almost like Stonemeyer does a good job of this, uh, that their worker placement games don't necessarily mean you have to get as many workers out as possible, right? Uh, there's avenues of not getting out many workers. And I guess to a degree, Zolkin had this as well because you had to pay your food for those workers. So yeah. it, there was benefits to not, uh, you know, bringing everything out uh, until you could afford it kind of thing, right? So, yeah. 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 Very neat. Very cool game. Yep. And, and it was easy to set up. Um, there, there's a lot of great components, but it's mostly you know, your own, it's like the buildings and your workers. So you, you get your tableau in front of you. There's one central board with the actions. There's the cards, obviously you got to shuffle and set up and then it's okay. Here's your bag of components, you know? Yeah. 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 So I like that. And the components were, were great. Obviously Stonemeyer does great components. Um, they're all wood. I was, Ooh. I was kind of surprised. This is a uh, essential edition though. Was the compostable plastic bags? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've been having more luck with them lately. I gotta say, uh, these that, ones felt like tougher actually yeah. than than ones in, that we've seen in the past too. So extra compostable. <laughs> I, I I guess maybe I wasn't the only one complaining about it, and they changed the formula. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, though. But yeah, uh, high recommendation from me. Uh, I'm surprised it took me this long to pick this game up. I think I was like, well, you know, it's a worker placement game. I've got lots of worker placement games, but no, but it's such a such a fresh take. Uh, and I, yeah, this one's like shot up high on my, you know, top games list. So it's so hard nowadays too with so many games being out there and so many new new and hot games coming out all the time that it's hard to look back you said this was a 2012 game yeah it's hard to look back at that time period and pick a game up from them right because you never know it could be dated it could be one that uh but it's a shame because we miss out sometimes on it um and typically what happens is you know some of these games are on a radar uh and for whatever reason it doesn't ever end up you know, in our collection at some point. Uh, and then, you know, it's too far down the line that we don't go back to it. So it's nice to, you know, have those stories where, yeah, we, you, you picked this one up, we got it to the table and it's like, wow, we've been missing this. This is great that we got to play it. Right. So yeah. Yep. I dig that. Yeah. All right. So I, I was at work the other day and you sent me a note on, you know, just basically was, hey, Thomas, what do you think about hexagonal tables kind of thing yeah, right? for board gaming, right? So I'm, again, renovating my basement, as I'm sure the listeners are sick of hearing. But uh, I've been looking at 
what kind of game table to put down here because I don't think the space is as big as I was hoping it would be, right? Because I was originally thinking like a big like Warhammer sized table, sure. which we yeah. have upstairs. And now I'm looking at maybe something a little smaller. Uh, and and then Wormwood has this hexagonal table I saw an ad for. And I, well, first of all, I love hexagons because of board games, right? Their association with board games. Yeah. But I actually thought, hey, this, this there, there might be like, this might make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. But so I wanted to, yeah, what's, what, what was your feel, your take on the hexagonal table? So when you originally sent this over, I was like, my first instinct was just like, nah, nah, nah. You play at a rectangular table, you play at a square <laughs> table. That's it, right? That's what a table's supposed And But then I was like, you know, that was, that was the initial kind of <laughs> revulsion from it. But then I was like, but if I think about it, like, yeah. So, okay, a square table. You got a couple options. Okay, You got a small square table where you can only fit four people at. Uh, and then, you know, that's if you ever have more. What are you going to do? You, you got to, yeah. you know, add, I've done this. I've added the card tables on top uh, to the side of it, uh, you, you know, to try and expand the size of the, the board. Now, my square table is fairly large that if you had more people, you might be able to squeeze two on a size and one on each of the ends or something like that. You might be able to do that. It's a four by four, just slightly over four by four, four square. Right. And I did that specifically because I built this table when we were playing hordes. Yeah. Right. So four by four was the horde setup. So that's what I did. And then we got into Warhammer fairly quickly after that. And it was like, Oh, okay. They, it takes a different size. The table it takes a plywood yeah. sheet size table. And I was like, Oh man. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, so then I started kind of looking at that and going, well, there's limitations to a square table then, too, right? Like, because you're basically limited to four players. So then you look at, okay, well, what about a rectangular table? That's going to that's gonna seat more people. Yep. Um, but I find, so we got a rectangular table, obviously, for our kitchen table that, um, you know, we, or our dining room table, I should say, right? Uh, and we sit six people at that. It's a fairly large table. Uh, but if you're on the end caps of that table, especially if you're playing a game, it's hard to reach across the entire table to do something on the, on the other end. Right. So I feel like a rectangle yep. almost sometimes is basically just a longer square. You have four good <laughs> seats. And then no room for the other two people. Maybe you get the six. And right? the, the the table that we play on at my house, it, yeah. it is a plywood sheet size table. Yeah. And uh, and when we play, like you sit on one long side and I'll tend to sit on the end so that we're kind of closer and can reach things. Because if I sit on on the opposite side of you, I feel like it's too far. Yeah, and that's just the four feet section, right? Yeah. So even like at yeah, even at the like I said, my my table is four by four, and it feels that way sometimes when we sit across from each other because four feet is actually a decent distance away, especially depending on the game, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where you might have small uh, table presence. Uh, of course, a bigger table is nice with a large table present game, right? You mm -hmm. like to fit everything on there. 
but yeah, and then you know, rectangle wise, when we've we've done some of uh, your kind of like birthday events, even the person like that's if you're sitting at one of the long side uh, positions at the rectangular table and someone's kind of like diagonal across from you, there's that four feet, but then you also get the like. Pythagorean uh, <laughs> diagonal there. Yeah. That seems super long. Not to mention the person that's like on the end, farther farther away from me, right? So it gets quite. It can feel quite the distance, right? Especially if you're playing a game where you should know what's in front of your opponent, because then you're trying yeah. to lean over the table and be like, "Wait, what's that card again? What's that card? What's that do?" Right? Uh, and sometimes there's been many times where like. I remember one time we we played uh, Oath, three players, and it was a smaller table we played at, but I didn't have the patience to, like, get up and look over at what, like, your cards were. I was like, you know what, I, I pretty much remember it, whatever, right? <laughs> and that just gets worse on the bigger table, right? But But then you look at a hexagon, and you're fairly close to the two people beside you on either side, right? Uh, just the way, you know, it all folds out it makes sense that that would be kind of a communal table where you can easily play two you could play across from each other if you want to or you can play side by side or skip a spot and whatever right so there's there's a lot of different combinations you could make at two players and then five players and and whatever right or three um, player like it would play great at three players, players. Yeah, yeah so there's a lot of options there my main thing it, again it would i i think depend too on size of the hexagon table right right um because you almost get like a wedge at this point instead of like a nice square section or rectangles rectangular section in front of you that is your player area let's say you now have a wedge shape area because you know you're bumping elbows with the person beside you you won't physically because the tables aren't super tiny but i can see that only being depending on how big the individual player setup is i can see that in certain games being an issue but again if you don't have a full table at three players you equally spread across that table and you you have a quite a lot you have a third of the table as your wedge right yeah so you know, and the way that we play typically playing two games and then even I'm thinking like with your family, with the four of you, I mean, you got two small kids that aren't going to. Yeah. OK, if it's a game that takes up a lot of player area, which I don't think are, are typical to family games anyways. Yeah, Usually yeah, you yeah. have one big area in the center or smaller card play areas in front of you or whatever. Right. With family games. I don't think that would ever come up as an issue with a, with a uh, you know, with two kids at a table or whatever. The only time is when you get like six beefy people in there. Hexagon, that's six sides, right? That's hex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Penta would be five. Yeah. So six people at the hexagon and they're larger people or whatnot. Right. Or adult sized people. And it's a bigger play area game. That's that was my only. And I had like, I'm starting to type this in. And then it was like, I mean, I just ranted there for like 10 minutes. But then I was like, I can't type this. Let's just save this for the show. Right. But basically, yeah, that was my, that was my whole thought press from the thought process from the initial to the, to the, wait a minute. And then there's this. And then if I think about that, right. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing too is 
again, so I got our current table off of Facebook Marketplace and it was meant as like a D&D table. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, it, it's four by eight feet and it's got, you know, the middle is sort of sunken in and then all around the side is is raised up in a place for you to, yeah, put your character sheet or whatever and write on it. And um, I made basically an insert to go in that middle part so that everything's level and you can play, you know, play on it and and we eat at it too, right? It's like our dining room table. So initially the thought was to bring that down here, but again, I don't think there's enough space. And but but then I'm like, okay, but then if I get like a smaller, let's say a hexagonal table, we still have that big table if we want to play a bigger game or if we have a bunch more people or if we're, you know, wanting to play War Warhammer ever again, you know, it's it's still yeah. there. It's still usable. So yeah, and I feel like that's the best of both worlds, right? Like if you you have especially the 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 two play areas sort of thing, right? Because your your dining room area where we typically play games at this point before you have the basement set up, right? Uh it is separated enough from say like your bedrooms upstairs that if we go late, we go to 1 a.m. like yeah. we did yesterday. Yep. So yesterday, yeah. Um we're not waking up your family, right? Uh, versus, and I'm hoping uh, once we do our addition on our house, we can move some of our gaming up up to the main floor or at least into a larger area in my place um, and have a bigger table kind of that way or whatever, right? Uh, but yeah, having both those options is would be fantastic uh, if, you, if you have the space and have the... Uh, <laughs> the the dedicated areas where you can make noise and and not be worried that oh i just woke up the family kind of thing yeah 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 i i i was looking at it much the same way you were like okay if you're playing two players you play across it's great if you're playing three players like it's, it's almost the perfect shape for three right you just yeah, get a third yeah. on the table four players might be a little weird if you're all four like on those two angled sides, you know, so you're, you're two people are kind of together and then there's a gap and then another two people. Together. But yeah, again, it depends on the, the size and the exact shape of the table. For which, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could dictate if I was building it. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I, I do like hexagons. <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah, there's a lot you could do with the with the hexagon to make it look neat and yeah. whatever too, right? So plus it, um, I I don't know. I, I this is this is anecdotal, but most of the tables I see are usually in like regular shapes, like a like a square or or a rectangle, right? Yeah, uh, you don't get a lot of hexagonal tables or anything as a, and then I feel like it would just it suits a gaming table nicely uh whereas like a hexagonal table for maybe a dining room table might not be as no <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. useful so <laughs> yeah and a talking piece for sure not that uh yeah not that i'm having strangers over or anything to, to like show the tires of your uh yeah, yeah. Of your table 
This uh, is my hexagonal table. <laughs> yeah, the 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 wormwood one that I saw an ad for, like I don't know if you're familiar with worm, wormwood, but seven million dollars stunning. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. yeah, like I I wanted to look up the price. <laughs> Uh, but I can't actually find that table on their website. Oh, and interesting. Yeah. In the ad, they called it. So I can't remember now what a modular gaming table or something. I think they called it. But if you go to the website and look up their modular gaming table, it's just square. So like I can't find this hexagon <laughs> table of theirs uh, on their website, which is weird. Maybe it's too new and they put out like the Facebook ads or whatever before sure. updating their website. But uh, but it's wormwood, so I'm sure it's very yeah. expensive. <laughs> yeah, their stuff is always. Uh, I've looked at some of their kickstarters before and been like, "Oh yeah, that's a nice, nice table or what? Oh, this is inlaid, whatever, and all these fancy techniques with the wood." I'm like, "But I can never." Yeah, I'll make a table before I can buy one of these tables <laughs> because you know, at the end of the day, too, like it's a table. Uh, <laughs> it, sure, if it's a nice table, it's a nice table, but like. <laughs> Do you want to invest? Is that going to be in your investment in your in your gaming, yeah, you know, room kind of thing? Yeah, that there's my ten thousand dollar table. I have I own three <laughs> games uh, because I can't afford, you know, but I have a ten thousand dollar table for my Catan. I did buy my wife um, like a, a dice vault and a set of gemstone RPG dice from them. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, as, as we've been saying, high, high quality, also high, high price. So <laughs> it, it was worth it. Cause it was like a Christmas gift or something, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not something and you want to go that, to every day. I can see that too. Like you're blinging out your accessories at that point. Right. Uh, especially when, you know, we were playing a lot of D and D you guys were playing a lot of D and D as well. Right. So yeah. having that dice tower, bringing that to D and D and then having those nice gemstone dice, uh, it's a, it completes the, the, the set. I mean, we're not, we're all, I don't think any of us are strangers to wanting to bling things out from time to time. Right. Okay. I'm using this and you know what? I, I made fun of the table, but yeah, that's, you absolutely could do that. Like your table is a fairly bling table, right? Especially like from a, uh, um, uh, uh, tabletop role-playing game perspective right you got spaces to put all your your books or your dice or whatever and then you got i think it's got the cup holders too does it not no it does not have I, no. I, <laughs> so every I time you so, come yeah. over we search for coasters coasters that's right yeah yeah but yeah you have oh no that's right you have like the open areas that you can pull up and then roll dice in the kind of the sides of the table there as well and then you got yeah. the inside too where you, so like that's pretty blinged out as well um but typically at that point you're either <laughs> buying it from someone like a wormwood or whatever or building it yourself uh or purchasing from like in your case purchasing of someone who built it themselves yeah yeah uh, for for that purpose right so yeah yeah So the next game on our list for this episode is Blood Rage by Eric Lang, produced by Simon Games. And Thomas, this was your pick. Why don't you uh, bring it to us? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, so Blood Rage. Uh, now this, like you said, Eric Lang, this was like prime time. He had joined uh, Simon and he's, I feel at this point, was head of development um resign whatever it was uh but this was like the start of when we've talked about it before the trilogy of his games going blood rage to rising sun to onk uh and i believe onk it's onk gods of egypt right it's yeah 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 uh so this was a first in the trilogy of games now this one of course has the uh viking uh theme where you play as a viking clan and you're trying to gain as much glory before the end of the world ragnarok happens right um it was i i believe a re-implementation of another game that he may have worked on it yeah midgard yeah so re-implements midgard uh which was another um eric lang game but i i I suppose i you know what i i don't know much about that one i just know that it was a re-implementation of that uh and i think the blood rage is considered the better better version overall uh as a as a game uh versus say midgard right Uh, so basically yeah 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 so that was uh you know something i thought was was kind of neat that he had worked on this this same similar game uh but wanted to make it better and 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 accomplish that with with blood rage right uh so like i said you play as a viking uh clan uh during ragnarok and you are trying to gain as much uh glory as possible so the way to do this uh is your clan starts out uh they're they're symmetrical yeah because they're not asymmetric would be different so they're 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 the same as each clan is the same as the uh each other clan uh and the the way oh man i'm 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 butchering this but basically (laughs) what i'm trying to say is you all start the exact same uh and that's important because during this game you can upgrade your clan uh to be asymmetrical to the other players and that's what I was trying to say. So essentially what you do on your turn is the game starts off with a, a draft, uh, draft, drafting card phase. Uh, so you're going to get a set number of cards. Your opponent or opponents will get those cards as well. Uh, and you will all draft these cards. So you pick a card, you pass. In the, in the case of a two-player game, you keep two of those cards. You pass, you take two, you pass, you take two, you pass. Uh, and you go until you've each selected I believe it's eight cards each. Uh, and those are the cards that you are going to play during your turn or potentially keep to the next turn. Now, this game is played over uh, three rounds uh, and it's played on a uh, sort of a, a map with the center of the map being Yggdrasil, uh, the, what is it? The life the tree, world I believe. Tree. World tree, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and then... Yggdrasil is is connected to each of the other uh, provinces, uh, of which there are eight different provinces that go around uh, Yggdrasil. So that are adjacent to Yggdrasil, uh, and it's basically a a circle that goes around Yggdrasil, with some of these provinces also being adjacent to other provinces. Um, now, I believe the term is province. Uh, it might be something else because there's a block. Typically, uh, there'll Is be a realms yeah. like they're they're like the realms, right? Like like 
Elfheim and Jotunheim and uh, Mannheim, you know, those things. And then each region, I feel, would have the provinces in it, right? Is that? I, you know what? Way, now that you're saying that, yeah, like, I'm thinking, I didn't realize that they would be realms, but you're right. Because then the that, world tree connects all the realms. All like the that's, realms, yeah. That's yeah, the mythology, Midgar right? would but, be earth basically right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I never put two and two together but yeah you're absolutely and uh jottenheim that's the the ice giant uh world i believe isn't it yep yeah i that's cool that's fantastic um i never put those two together but you're absolutely <laughs> right so each of these realms is connected to the world tree and then uh, or yeah um uh, and then uh typically attached to two other locations that are uh you know beside that making this kind of donut shape uh with yidrasil in the center right uh and then uh there there are so these eight provinces around the outside three of which are going to be blue provinces three of them are yellow provinces and two of them are gray uh and the only reason this is important uh is because there are specific cards i'll get in there uh that will want you to go to uh certain colored provinces uh and i'll get into that in a minute um but basically each of these different uh provinces will have a number of cities uh which for each city you can place one of your clan members in there and your clan members are made up of you have your leader uh and then you have all your uh different soldiers uh in the base game uh, which is what we're going to talk about today because I don't ha- own any of the expansions yet. Uh, this is one that I'd love to expand, but we'll get into that in the future another time. But you have basically eight warriors plus your leader, uh, so nine miniatures in total that you start the game with. So the game starts off with a drafting phase. You draft your cards. These cards are going to be a variety of things. So either they're going to be power cards that you're going to use during battle to add power uh, to your 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 warriors in that fight, uh, so that you might get a you know a leg up on your opponent. Uh, they might be upgrade cards, uh, which allow you to upgrade your clan, your warriors, your um, longbow, which is another miniature you have. So that would be your tenth miniature. Actually, you have one longboat, uh, so you can upgrade the longboat, uh, or you can upgrade your your leader. Uh, you also have two spots of cards um, for cards that are monster upgrades. And this is kind of one of the neat things of all these trilogy of games here, uh, from Blood Rage to uh, Rising Sun to, to Ankh, uh, is they're really known for the various beasts and monsters that you get in the game right mm-hmm. uh, and yeah and this one's no different like you get everything from you know kind of like uh giant giants to trolls to dwarves to valkyries uh there's like a kraken looking thing which i think is like a a sea serpent uh so there's a bunch of different uh models in here that represents um monsters and behave slightly differently than your your warriors and your your leader uh and your longship as well uh so you draft all these cards um and then you move into the sort of action phase of the round 
So your drafting phase to the action phase, this is where you're going to be playing those cards or invading with your miniatures or moving your miniatures around the board uh, or uh, you know, playing those cards as, as quests or upgrades or whatever they might be. Because that's, sorry, that's the other type of card. There's these quest cards that will give you glory points, victory points, uh, uh, if you are able to complete the quest. And those quests usually take the form of be in this location, either the Yellow Provinces or sometimes it's Valhalla. It it, it really depends on what, what the, the quest is, but it, they are usually based on having miniatures in certain areas. Now, that all sounds cool. Fantastic. How do you do all this? Uh, this is all done through three tracks on your clan board. Uh, you have uh, Rage, which is going to be, uh, it's a track from, I don't know, like, uh, one to 15, something like that. Uh, and those, uh, every action you take will cost a number of rage. And once you hit zero rage, you can't take any more actions. Yeah. It's an action point system. Action point system. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have, uh, your, your horns, uh, which determines how many miniatures you can have on the on the board so yes you start the game with 10 miniatures and potentially more if you get those monsters but you can't have those out on the board unless you have the horn stat up to you know a various level that allows you to uh put more and more uh, miniatures out i believe the game only starts where you can only place three miniatures down uh initially uh and then that you have your axes stat which I believe it's called Axis, and that uh, stat will give you additional victory points for when you win in combat. Uh, so, you know, that's you're increasing that stat so that you can get into combat and then increase your glory points because you're you're you know either winning or dying uh, in a glorious way, and you're you're uh, progressing in points that way. Uh, after the action phase. And, and I'll go into more detail when we start kind of bantering about this. Uh, after the action phase, uh, uh, Ragnarok, a portion of Ragnarok occurs where one of those provinces gets destroyed. Um, any miniatures in that uh, province uh, will be destroyed as well. And that province is no longer available on the map anymore. In a two-player game, you start the game with some of the provinces already destroyed. Uh, and then three more each round, one one will get destroyed. So three more uh, provinces will get destroyed and and eliminated. Now you know ahead of time which province the next round's province that's coming up. Uh, so it's never one of those things where it's you randomly flip a province and be like, oh, I had all my guys there and they all died. No, no, no. You 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 have the ability to either move out of there if you want to or go in there so you could die in Ragnarok and get some glory that way as well, right? Uh, so there, that aspect isn't a random access aspect, which is nice because I think that would make the game not feel great if you're working hard towards something and then, you know, you lose something just from a yeah. random flip. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's a gist of this game. Uh, after the three rounds, you compare uh, your points on the on the on the glory track around the outside of the board, and whoever has the most points uh, wins the game. Uh, it very it seems complex at first, but after your first round, uh, 
it, it it's it's pretty easy to pick up. Uh, and then and then the biggest thing is trying to combo those cards when you're drafting. Uh, and and play them at the right time and and invade at the right time and 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 whatnot. And what I really what I really dig about this game is it I really feel like I'm that uh, you know Viking warrior going in. Oftentimes I go the the route where I want to win every battle, right? Because uh, I want to get in there. I want to be great in combat. Uh, and that's not necessarily the best way to win the game uh and this happened in our game uh that's not <laughs> i did not win the uh the game uh taking the strategy uh, but what, yeah. what <laughs> so we 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 played this before mm -hmm. i if memory serves me correctly did we try to play this with kevin once and it did not go well I feel like we did play it with Kevin, actually, because I specifically remember giving him, I believe, the bear clan because right. Kevin's got a thing with bears. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember, but I don't remember, actually. I I don't think he did very well. I'm, I'm like, I'm it's very it's a muddled memory, but I don't think. I, yeah, he I feel did like well. maybe the first round went very poorly for everyone but you. And yes, then. Yeah. And then we might have just called it quits. Um, yeah, vaguely recall. Anyway, I do know for certain that you and I tried to play this at two players before. And you, and after round one, it was like unrecoverable for me. You You trounced me so hard that we both kind of went, yeah there's no coming back from this. This game's broken at two players. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. That was kind of the, that was kind of our conclusion. And then some time passed and we decided to bring it out, uh, for, for our game night again. Uh, and it, I, I, I studied. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched videos. I watched like tactics and, and studied and I'm like, okay, what cards go together? And then we didn't bring it out. <laughs> and then we, you know, uh, later on down the road, you're like, oh, I might do blood rage again tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. And so I refreshed myself. I watched the videos, everything. And then you didn't bring blood rage out. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so then, uh, this time came around and I'm like, I'm not going to bother. And then you brought blood, blood rage out. Uh, but I was like, okay, I'm going to try to like, be aggressive and win the battles and whatever. Right. And then like the first thing that happened was like, you put your dude out. Um, I got, well, sorry. The first thing that happened was we drafted these cards and I got like two cards that worked really well for the Loki strategy. Yes. And I was like, you know what? Thomas is probably going to be aggressive. I don't want to give up these cards. Let's see what happens. And then you like right away, like went aggressive on the board. And I'm like, Loki strategy it is. <laughs> and so when Jordan says Loki strategy, so basically there's a strategy in this game where, uh, and, and they're all tied to lo 
Loki, the trickster god, right? Uh, that basically is you want to lose in battle. Yeah. Uh, and when you do so and lose your your warriors or your longship or whatever, you get a bunch of points for doing that, right? Uh, and you played it really well. Uh, like after Thank that you. first we- first round, I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I got to do stuff now. I can't keep attacking you because this is just getting you more points. So I got to figure out something to gain me points before that, I, you know, I go out and attack, right? So it really, yeah. after that first round, I really had to change around the strategy. I couldn't just be aggressive, right? Uh, which is what I was going for because I was like, you know, I had that blood rage. <laughs> like, crotch him, right? So... <laughs> Yeah, so typically when you win a battle, you're going to win glory points based on your axes uh, stat, right? Which starts low, and then, of course, you want to raise it up so you're making more points every time you you win a battle. Uh, And winning battles is how you raise those stats, so that kind of works nicely together, right? Um, And then... When you lose your minis in battle, they go to Valhalla and you get them back at the end of the round before before the next round starts. Right. Uh, Now, if you lose, if you have your minis in the province that dies during Ragnarok, uh, then you're going to get glory for that. I think, as you mentioned, right in your your description of the game. And each round, that glory point for that Ragnarok death increases as well. So that's right, another right. aspect to this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Loki strategy, and, and there are several different cards that work with it. But what I got was, okay, every time, uh, was it every time a warrior died? Or I think it was every time uh, I bring a warrior back from Valhalla, I get a point. Yeah, released from Valhalla. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I got uh, another card, which was uh, whenever your longship dies, four points. So, and I... uh, Is the longships a card, or do you just get it? Either way, I got it, but... You get the longship, yeah. uh, But yeah, if you upgrade it, you can get stuff for it right like the points for for losing it right right okay so the yeah. thing with the long ship is it, it slots in sort of these harbors that that are between two provinces um and then it it, it skips anyway but once it's there it stays there you can't get rid of it um until the end of the round yeah yeah uh, uh through ragnarok or losing a battle yeah 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 so if there's no battle, it's stuck there. Oh, uh, will you lose it for losing a battle? You will lose it for losing a battle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um. So, I knew where Ragnarok was happening, right? And so I just I put my ship there, and then I know, like right away, that's that's four points guaranteed. Yeah. And then yeah. you're coming in, you're being aggressive, so I just have to like get my dudes into those problems and and you know i try to win the battles to to get the 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 benefit to raise my stats but if you win then great all my dudes come off the board go to valhalla 
then I can put more dudes on the board. They get killed. They go to Valhalla, right? And then I'm getting a bunch of points when they when they come back because yeah. uh, I wasn't winning anything. I couldn't beat you at anything. So the negative to that is I don't have as many action points because my rage never goes up and I can't put as many figures on the map because my horns never go up. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of important to me that I'm putting these guys out and you're knocking them off like as fast as I'm putting them out. Cause that way I can keep cycling them and keep sending them to Valhalla and then I'm getting points for when they come off. Yeah. And that's, I really like that it played out the way that it did too. Uh, because yeah, we had that one game and it was just like, oh, that's so disappointing. I, I crushed you. We were both aiming at the same strategy and it could have been either way. Like if you got the better cards uh, at the right time, it, you know, it, 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 once somebody gets a lead, they will, if you continue the exact same strategy, trying just to go head to head, banging heads again, there's, you have no chance. Uh, you know, and sometimes that gets decided by we're in combat. We have the same amount of miniatures. You drop down a four plus card going boom, beat that. And I happen to have the five plus card. Yeah. So, you know, that one power difference kills every one of your miniatures. I've left all my miniatures on the board and that's how do you come back from that? trying to compete for power because now you have to spend rage and this is part of the those action phase where you're using your uh, action points there uh is every time you bring a miniature onto the board that's one action uh but it also depending on the miniature costs rage to bring out now warriors start the game as one power so they cost one rage to bring it on the board so if if you lose five miniatures at once that's five more rage you got to spend on another turn or another round to bring those same miniatures out right so it could be very punishing if you're doing the same strategies and i think i loved how this worked out that we focused two different ways and it was a fairly close game but you did crush me um in in the end with your strategy right yeah, I, um, I feel like I got a good lead at the beginning, but then as your axe value went up and you were getting more glory for winning those battles, then it was like, oh, like I can't keep letting you get these battles because you were catching up fast. Yeah, and, and I think it came down to like, this game is very punishing if you have a bad uh, round or if you don't play around properly right if you flip-flop on around it can be very punishing for you and hard to come back from uh i that first round you jumped up in points and that was a big hurdle i had to come uh overcome i did that i was catching up the third round the final round i was not paying close enough attention to the game end triggers and it cost me major points that I could have scored at the end, right? Right, and yeah. Basically, the way the game ends is you you end the game when either both players are out of rage and they pass, or there is no other area on the board to pillage anymore. And I'll talk a bit about pillaging because I really love this mechanic as well because I think it's very... This is where a lot of the theme comes for me, where I'm 
feeling like I'm a Viking pillaging the land uh, and and getting more powerful because of it, right? Getting that glory and getting those those axes and 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 rage points. Uh, so each of the provinces on the on the map will come with a little token that either is going to increase your rage stat, is going to give you straight up victory points, uh, is going to uh, increase your horns or increase your um, axes. Uh, now Valhalla has, or sorry, not Valhalla, uh, Yggdrasil has its own tile that increases all three of your stats at once, right? Uh, and these are randomized at the start. Uh, and then they stay on the game, the board for the remainder of the game. Um, so each province will have the exact same token that it had all all three rounds, right? Uh, so the way you get these is you uh, you know deploy your uh, your minis here or your miniatures, your warriors and your and your leader, uh, and then you have to take a pillage action. And when you pillage, uh, you essentially say, "I'm pillaging this location." Uh, and then you look at your op opponent or opponents and say, okay, you have these two areas or multiple areas are adjacent and everything's adjacent to Yggdrasil, but uh, whoever's adjacent to the location that you're pillaging gets the option uh, to bring one of their uh, miniatures on the board uh, that's adjacent into that territory or into that province, right? And if they decide... To do that, uh, it then goes around the table. So you go to each person. Are you bringing the miniature that you have these ones uh, adjacent? You can bring either of these one at a time. Yep, I'm going to bring one. Including the person that's pillaging, they can also bring in additional figures if they want to, right? Um, uh, up until all the city spaces in that province are filled up. Once that happens, nobody else can bring any more uh, people in, and that's where you're going to uh, have your battle. Uh, if you're the only one in that area, nobody else brought in miniatures there, you automatically pillage, you get whatever the bonus is. Typically, it's increasing that stat. You increase that stat or get those victory points, and that's a you know one and done. At the end of the round, that uh, the start of the new round, that that token will flip back over. Uh, to be pillaged again for the next round, but that land has been pillaged. It's it's basically there's nothing else to do in that area for this round. Uh, now Yggdrasil is a bit special because it again it'll increase each one of your stats, but because it's also adjacent to everywhere and there's no cities in Yggdrasil, you can have a full on like four person battle in Yggdrasil. A four-player battle with thirty-five miniatures in there, kind of thing, right? And whoever has the best power is the is the winner of that of that uh, combat right so that that can be special in you know, cer certain areas and and can really change the way the outcome of of uh, how the game is going right yeah uh, i feel yeah, like so that'd be really interesting in the like a four-player game eh mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. and it's and, and it'd be so powerful to like like increasing all three stats at one time with one pillage action that's a huge Huge benefit, right? Uh, and you really feel like you're, you know, powerful when you win those battles and whatnot, right? Uh, but yeah, like I, I, I really dig that sort of not only the pillaging aspect of it, but how you go around the table and others can bring their warriors to battle, uh, and you know, as as you pillage the land further, and you have to think of this from a round to round perspective. That first round. Yes, yeah, so two two 
I believe it's two provinces are destroyed. So the board is really made up of Yggdrasil and six other uh, territories or provinces, right? Uh, so that's how many places can be pillaged. By the time you get to round three, you've taken three more of those provinces off the table. Uh, and now you're down to four locations, right? And here's where you have to be careful. I pillaged <laughs> early in the area that I basically um, had the most warriors in, uh, and that finished there, and Yggdrasil got pillaged, and then Yor got pillaged, and and the other one got all four places got pillaged, and I went, uh-oh, Oh no, I have all this rage to use. I was planning to play this card and play this card and play this card and boom, 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 all these victory points, but the game ends. Everything's been pillaged. That's it. Round three is done, right? Uh, which is fantastic. I think that's a great, it's another aspect that you better keep your mind on it or you can mess up your your yeah. strategy very easily doing that, right? Because a lot of those round three cards are really good. And, you know, even like I ended the, the round sort of quickly so that you couldn't play some of those great cards. But even I was like, oh, I want to play this card, then this card, then this card. But like, I, I, I can't afford to, you know, like, so I was like, OK, I, I'll play these two in this order and that should squeak me, you know, enough points through. Um, even I couldn't play all the cards I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but there, I, yeah. Yeah. The round three cards are really great. So good. Yeah. There was, there was, there was a few, I picked up a decent combo on that last turn. I was so excited to get it. And I was like, <laughs> this is it. And then the game ended and I was like, no. Uh, but then it came down to like where you're adding up the end game points. And that's another thing. So depending on how far up you get on these tracks for rage and horns and and uh, axes uh, there, you know, if you if you get almost to the, the I, I forget how many positions there are, I think something like, let's see, uh, there's six positions. There we go. Uh, so on, on each of these tracks. Uh, so if you get into one of these tracks to the fourth position or the fifth position, you're going to get 10 victory points at the end of the game. If you can max out that track and get it to the sixth, you're going to get 20 victory points for that. I maxed everything out, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I have 60 points coming. This is going to catch me up, right? Uh, but that's not how it played out. Uh, because you were able to also get one of those tracks up to, I think, at least get 10 points out of it. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I got 10. Yeah, yeah, which which made all the difference, and I didn't plan that out, and then it was like, it was like a house of cards falling down as I'm going, <laughs> I'm just running out of steam trying to catch up, and then, no, and then you get the 10, it's over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah oh. it, it ended 112 to 105 in my favor, so seven yeah. points yeah yeah so that yeah. that getting 10 on that track won me the game right and i love that it came down to that and it just really solidified that i was so happy because i like at first i got this and i won this first combat and i was like oh no this is gonna be well, it's gonna be another kind of blowout game right right but then at the end of the first round when you skyrocketed up and i was like how what no no <laughs> But then I was like, this is I great. Was winning. This is fantastic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Uh, and it's the second, you know, I got the same feeling when we played, we talked about playing um, Power Struggle and how I like took over this corporation and you're yeah. like, yeah, great. But I'm like the the, the consultant <laughs> for this entire thing. And, and I've won the game now. And I went, oh, but I, <laughs> but I own the company. <laughs> right? so, but no, it was, uh, yeah, it was the same sort of defeat there that first turn. I was like, I... I was battling so hard. I was the Viking of Viking and you were just dying and you know, but, but yeah. it was great, a great Saturday. And yeah, that, that combination you had with the uh, first off, uh, you're going into Ragnarok so that it'll kill your dudes. Uh, and you're getting points for that. And then you're releasing them from Valhalla and getting points for that. And it was like, Oh yeah. man, every time you're dying, if I kill it, if Ragnarok kills it, you're just like point, 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 point. Right? And I was, I think I had a card that like doubled the points that I got if I died in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then you were like, okay, now I got to kill all of his dudes before Ragnarok. happens, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I'm like trying to keep them on the board, uh, you know, in that province and you're trying to get me off of it. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, it was really, uh, it was a really neat one, and I, uh, yeah, I, I really, I mean, I say this to like every single game we play, but God, I just love games, and this one, like, I love this one. <laughs> I have so much fun every time yeah. we play it. Uh, even you know, when it when it's really close like that, I find those are the best types of games. When you, and I've said it before on the show, uh, anytime we get like a really close game where seven points is a difference, five points is a difference, that always feels it it always feels good that like what a close game like we we fought right to the very end and this one really felt yeah. like that right so yeah 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 i think in this game it's the drafting the cards that makes it if yeah. it was yeah. like your delta hand your delta hand of cards or y- each player has a de- like i don't think it would be as good to be honest but that draft system uh, and it's neat because, like we're we're saying, the Loki strategy because there's a bunch of cards that are themed around Loki that do that similar sort of thing, getting glory for for dying, right? Uh, and then there are Freya cards, and Freya cards like give you protection, give you discounts, uh, bring your dudes uh, back from Valhalla. Um, it's a lot of like support. Yeah, uh, yeah, cards, yeah. right? And then there's Odin cards, which are very much like looking ahead, like like peeking at right, like peeking at uh, future events and stuff like that, and like foreshadowing. Is that right? Or uh, a lot of the Hemdall cards do that, allow you to kind of oh, like manipulate as well. Yeah. yeah, where where some of the Hemdall cards, which are neat, is that you'll add like maybe. Uh, let's say you play a four plus card to your to your round um and then your opponent played that five and the example i said earlier where like you played a four and then i played the five uh if it was like reverse and you play the five i play the four and it was like you're gonna win a lot of the hemdo ones are like you can add this extra card after cards are released or or, or revealed and you could be like okay here's my hemdo card plus two Right. Yeah. So then, you know, a lot Hamdall gets kind of that. And then Thor and Tear are are a lot of like uh uh really you know plus fives, plus powers. fours, plus sixes. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. But yeah, Odin does stuff like that too, like uh, uh, as well. So yeah, there's there's a few gods, a number of gods here, and all of them have some overlap, but also have very uh, focused areas too. Where in in Loki's case, you you can see a lot of it is based around Valhalla and and your units dying and coming back, and sometimes stealing rage and and whatnot. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because my rage was, I was wasn't getting any increases in rage. Like I took a a Freya card that gave me a discount on upgrades, which essentially is giving me like free action points, right? Free rage. And then I had one, uh, whereas if I went into a battle and lost, I could steal rage from you, which was shortening your action points and increasing mine. So there was a lot of like little tricky things that way that I had to sort of rely on uh in order to compete like stay in the game because you're going up on these tracks and i'm not right and the beauty of a lot of that too these sort of uh like tricky things and little little plays like that is that especially in combat when you get to combat yeah you could drop a plus six power card and dominate combat right uh but the winner of combat loses the card that they play. So that's out of the game. It's gone. You've lost that. That's been used. Yours, okay, uh, it adds one power, let's say, but it steals a rage. And then you pick that card out. Oh, I lost the combat, but guess what? This card comes back to my hand. And you're right. playing it every time I'm attacking you. I got to play these cards <laughs> that are hitting hard, and I'm losing those for my hand. They're going, and you're just you know repeating this, stealing rage, taking my rage kind of thing, right? And I'm like, I want... I almost want to lose a combat so you lose that card, but I don't want to lose a combat because the combat is how I'm getting my victory points, right? So, yeah, it, it adds those types of little, like, combinations happen, and I love that. I think that's so exciting. Then you have all these monsters, too, that you can upgrade uh, to have your monsters, and they do various things. I typically, for whatever reason, always end up getting, like, um, I think it's a troll, that if you place a troll in a in a city, in a province, Every warrior in the province, enemy warrior just dies when the troll comes in, right? So, like, you try and fill out, okay, there's three warriors there, there's one more city. Great, I'm playing my 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 troll right there, kills all three of those warriors. Uh, just like that, right? Uh, so you get, like, things like that where the, where the monsters do various different things. And each of the miniatures typically has a different power. So your warriors have your one power, your leader has three, and your longboat has two. Uh, but that throughout the game, you might uh, increase the power. So, you know, the warriors now have two. Or if you have a pair of warriors, they add up to, uh, you know, a three or 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 six or something, right? Depending on what age you get that card. Some of the, like we said, some of the later age cards, round cards are, are more powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that also increases the cost of bringing those miniatures up because when you're invading uh you are paying a rage value based on the power of whatever miniature you're bringing out with the exception of your leader that invades for free Uh, that's a special ability the leader has but okay great you upgrade your warriors so they're two power that is wonderful there's they're they're extra power while they're on the board but if you ever have to bring any more out you're paying two rage per warrior bringing out now right so that can get expensive. So you kind of want to get stuff out before you play a card like that. 
Uh, and I really dig how like some of those upgrade cards for the monsters, for the warriors, for the longboat. If you upgrade something and you don't have it on the board, you could also invade for free that turn. So you almost get like a two action thing. So right. I'm going to upgrade my leader and that's my turn to upgrade. But because I upgrade a unit, that unit gets to invade for free. So I get two actions this turn, right? When mm. I upgrade my longship, and it gets to to come on the board here. I don't have to pay the rage for it, right? That's yeah. Mm. So yeah, I remember first first age. I got that longship upgrade that gave me four points when it came back from Ragnarok, or whatever. So then it went out for free. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's like you said, two rage because it's two power. Second round, I got another card that was okay. Now it's eight points if it uh, when it comes back from Ragnarok. So then again, it went out for free. And then the third age, I was like, oh no, I have to actually pay for the longship because I don't have an upgrade. And that was painful for me because I only started with like six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like two rage was brutal. That but first, then yeah. But then there was that. Uh, uh, Elf, the dark elf, yes, was neat because he's only one power. Uh, so you only have to pay one for him to invade. But then if he's in y- Yggdrasil or Yggdrasil, uh, he's he's actually three power. Mm-hmm. So yeah, stuff like that. I love. I love those little things, right? And there's a yeah. few of them like that. Yeah, where you're you can invade, and they have a cheaper invades. These monsters have a cheaper invade cost but our we're you know the the troll has that two power cost and i remember yeah bringing him out the first time with the upgrade and going ha right uh, and then he died in ragnarok and then i never brought him out again for the rest because <laughs> i was like he costs two power to bring out or two rage to bring out and i don't want to spend the two rage right? yeah so yeah that was uh just just neat little things like that where it's very easy for you to try and plan out your turns but miss little things like that oh no i upgraded these warriors and they're two power now i didn't take <laughs> that into it i should have waited to play that you know yeah, uh, yeah. And, and and stuff like that or oh no i pillaged everything like three of the spots is only one spot and you you own that, so you can pillage at any time, kind of thing, right? Or you have that surrounded, and it's like, I love those those like little little things that you got to be really mindful of, um, or else someone can take advantage and and really push their strategy forward, right? So, yeah, yeah, uh, I was I was worried, like you said at the beginning, that it was just going to be a blowout again, and then no, it. Uh, it turned out to be quite a nice little back and forth this game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig it. And I, uh, this one's a little pricier uh, nowadays than where I got it. What's uh, well, really popular. It's very popular. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's, it's worth it. If you're into this theme and into these types of games, you got territory control in here. You got the action points. Um it it's it's a solid game and 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 you know what it's rated very high in bgg as well and i think it deserves it like it uh it holds up uh and this one you know being uh yeah yeah what, what's the year on this one 2015 uh <laughs> it, it it still holds up you know 
now than it did what what's that uh you know nine years later uh mm-hmm. yeah that's the right math yeah 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 nine years later right so you know we, we we've come a long way with games but there's still some gems out there that uh you know will what's that what's that thing uh uh last the test of time or whatever but yeah yeah this this is a good one i i, I dig it and i think yeah it's another one of the awesome trilogy that Eric Lane did while he was at Simon. And I know a lot of people, this one is still their favorite of the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the price. So I just had to look it up, uh, on amazon.ca. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, it's, it's $140 Canadian right now. Yeah, I feel like you can find this one at the hundred dollar range. Uh, yeah, but Amazon being what you know what Amazon does, um, that that's a bit high. Uh, but yeah, like I think if if I look at uh, so I always go to build board game uh, uh, Oracle uh, to look at my pricing. But uh, let's let's see, uh, Blood Rage. I can see, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Hundred bucks at four hundred one games. Hundred bucks, yeah, yeah. Ninety five, hundred, hundred and three, hundred four. Yeah, yeah. Hundred bucks is typically. I think when this game first came out, and mind you, again, we've had a crazy year of inflation. But like nine years ago, when this came out, you were looking at the sixty, seventy, eighty dollar range, and I'm pretty sure that's in and around what i play probably around 70 ish mm. i don't even think it was at the 80 uh so i don't know nine years it's it's added you know 30 30 dollars to the value uh which unfortunate puts it up there but you got a lot yeah. of minis in the box it's a solid game it's hard to it's hard to you know not not say it's a great value there it's 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 still it's a it's it holds up and it's a great game I'd, I'd still buy this at this price nowadays uh, to have this. So speaking of, uh, what do you think of the components? Uh, I dig it. Like everything, uh, sure. The the Valhalla bo- board is a little thin. It's basically just cardstock. Um, it doesn't need to be anything fancy, and that's fine. The cards, um, they're they're those smaller sized cards, which typically drive me nuts as well. Uh, just because they're hard to shuffle and whatnot when they get that tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those are just like nit- nitpicky things that I have. The, the miniatures are great. Sure, some of them might, uh, you know, have like the droopy staffs and stuff, and you might want to go and heat them up and 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 reposition things or whatever. You could do that. But uh, the detail in the miniature is pretty great. The monsters are great. Uh, they look pretty cool. Uh, and then as far as like, uh, uh, your board, the board is, and, and sort of the player markers, uh, all that stuff is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, solid board, solid player markers, like point track markers and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, droopy stabs and or staves and axes aside, uh, the, the models look really good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I know, um, the the monsters in this game in particular, I see them a lot painted on like some of those, you know, mini painting subreddits and stuff. And they oof, oof, they come out nice. 
Yeah, you could do a lot of good stuff with these minis for sure if you wanted to paint yeah. them. Uh, I yeah, love yeah. the theme, man. Like, yeah, so good. Yeah, Vikings is is a great theme. Um, yeah, and you know what? This this title came out around like early. I don't even know. Yeah, probably Kickstarter days too. Like early ish days where like miniatures wasn't. <laughs> in every every second game yeah uh, so this was like you get all these minis holy moly this was a big thing of you know this was like one of the first games that's introducing all these really cool cool minis with it as well right so that was a big thing and now steam on you look at any of their kickstarters and it's five thousand minis uh but yeah this was this was one of those first ones that like wow there's a lot of minis and cool looking minis right yeah, uh, and spe- especially being you know the first in the trilogy, and that that continued on through the other ones that you knew if you're getting one of these Simon, um, you know Eric Lang games, okay, what juicy miniatures are going to be in these ones here, right? So yeah, this one this one's the same in that in that vein of thing thought, right? Absolutely. <laughs> And the final game on our list for this episode, because we're not going to talk about Alchemist, right? <laughs> Even though we we did play Alchemist in January. Uh, yeah, that's fine. We'll just bring it in the banter of next episode. Fair enough. Uh, the next game is Dune Imperium Uprising. Uh, Dune Imperium Uprising is a re-implementation uh, of Dune Imperium, and it's designed by Paul Denon and published by Direwolf Games. Dune Imperium Uprising is a worker placement and deck building game. The goal of the game is to be the first to reach 10 points. Now, there's also a 10-round clock in the form of conflict cards, which we'll go over. Uh, And the winner of the game is whomever has the most points at the end of the round in which someone reaches the 10 points or the end of the 10th round. The game's broken down into five phases. The first phase is admin, whereas in any other deck building game, you're going to draw five cards because five cards is the magic number for deck building games. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're going to flip a new conflict card. The conflict card, and I really like this, by the way, uh, the conflict card tells all the players at the beginning of the round what the rewards are going to be for winning combat at the end of the round. I really like how it, it does that up front. So, you know, you know, basically how much you really want to invest in trying to win that combat at the end of the round. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I dug that too. Yeah. Uh, So that's, that's, you know, your phase one phase two is player turns. Now it's, a worker placement game, like I said. So you're going to have a whole bunch of different action spaces on the board that are going to let you do certain things uh, and collect resources. But unlike other worker placement games, you can't just 
put your workers down where you want to. You have to play a card that has a symbol that matches the symbol of the space you want to put your worker. In this game, workers are called agents. Uh, so those five cards that you draw at the beginning of the round, you're you're playing them in multiple different ways in this game. Uh, one of them, like I said, you play uh, and and it'll either have one or several symbols on it, and then that will dictate where you can put your your agent. Once you have played all your cards or you've decided to pass for the turn, then you're going to reveal the rest of the cards you have in your hand. Uh, so you're going to take what's called a reveal turn, uh, which is kind of like a like an income turn in some games, right? But you're going to anything, any cards you haven't played, you show them and they all have a reveal benefit on them and sometimes it's going to be uh like in in most deck builders where you know you have cards that give you currency to buy more cards that's a common reveal benefit so it'll tell you how many cards you can buy then um you know during that that step that reveal turn it can also add power to the combat or like a bunch of other things like gaining resources like water or spice or uh, even like gaining spies. Which that also is really cool. I haven't seen that really done in a deck building game. Usually when you if you don't play your cards during a round, they're kind of wasted, right? This way you've got that the sort of dual purpose cards and each card is used every round. So then uh, once all the players have passed, now it rolls into the combat phase. In the combat phase, uh, quite simply, the winner of the combat is going to be the one with the most power in the conflict. And you put power in the conflict by moving troops in there, uh, having sandworms in there. And like I said, what during your reveal phase might add power to the conflict. And finally, uh, you have intrigue cards, which can be played at various points in the turn. One of them being in combat to again, add power. Whoever has the most power wins the first place spot, but there are prizes for first, second and third. Players get their first, second or third place benefits. And then, uh, it basically goes into, you know, your cleanup steps. So that's the game uh, in general. Then you go to the next turn, draw your, you know, new hand of cards, flip a new conflict card, which is going to tell you your stuff for the end of that round and uh, rinse and repeat. So. As I mentioned this is a re-implementation of Dune Imperium. So a lot of people here might be familiar with that one. We actually, neither one of us ever played the original Dune Imperium. And I feel like this is just, they made some little tweaks to it and sort of rebalanced things, added this new unit, the Spy. And uh, I think they added some new cards and, and new leaders, but like... Pretty much like 95% of the game 
is exactly the same as Dune Imperium, as I understand it. But like I said, we've never played it, so we're not really going to compare this game yeah. to to that game in this episode. Uh, we'll just focus on reviewing, you know, this game as it is. Were the sandworms in the? Uh, no, the- I I don't think they were. I feel like they weren't. Yeah, so that's like. I mean, right there, sandworms are so cool. Like, right? who doesn't like the Doom theme? And then, like, having sandworms too, like, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, how you do know. you do Dune without including the sandworms? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I really, so Dune's a great theme. Um, and I don't, I don't know any. I feel like there's no one that doesn't like Dune. Uh, I know that I'm being facetious, but uh, so <laughs> of course there's going to be. Uh, but but I feel like Dune is such a good. This is my first book. You know, some of the books in the series, like they're so. It's got a bit of that like love story sort of in there with 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 Chani, but it's not overly done to a point where I read. So I read a lot of young adult novels because they're easy reads and I can get through a book fairly quickly in a few days or whatever. Right. And I enjoy that. Um, (laughs) Twilight is a guilty pleasure of mine. I will read those books. I just finished reading them for the second time. Right. Um, But for whatever reason, and I don't, it's probably just because the audience stuff, you know, that these uh, books are, are aimed at. (sighs) There's always like there always has to be some sort of romancy, gushy kind of like, but to the point in a way where as an adult, I just want to slap them in the head and be like, <laughs> who cares? Right. <laughs> um, okay. But Dune it did it in a very in a wonderful way that I've never felt reading this book that I just like. Can we just fast forward this? Like, <laughs> come on. I don't. Yeah. Edward watches Bella sleep. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't have to get into this big thing. So Dune does in such a great way that I feel like as a series, like as a book, it, it it's such a phenomenal book. And then porting it to a game and being able to play a game in that universe, in that theme is really exciting and really neat. Uh, and being able to bring sandworms to combat with you. Oh, sure. You can argue that, you know, why is my, I, I, I played Fade Ratha, uh, I, uh, Fade Ratha, I don't know how to say his name, but anyway, I played it. Why is he controlling uh, uh, sandworms? That doesn't make <laughs> thematic sense, right? But if, if you know, that aside, um yeah it, it made it, mechanical really sense it, yeah, yeah yeah exactly it made mechanical sense right but yeah oh and it's just it's it i, I feel it's very thematic you're looking at the cards you're buying cards for your deck and you see things can like chani came up and i don't know i'm butchering names i don't know if that's how you say her name either but i'm assuming it is uh she came up and we both went oh oh that's a good card too yep. and you know that was an excited <laughs> card to see uh see come up right uh and then you got the down the side you have the various um uh factions that you can gain 
influence and influence yeah. in. So the Fremen and the um, Bene Gesserit. Thank you, Bene Gesserit. Uh, even the uh, the Emperor. Uh, you, you know, and, and the uh, uh, the the Spacing Guild, like. All that stuff is all from the game, so it feels really neat doing that. Uh, and I was having a hard time getting a lot of water, and I'm like, "This is so thematic. We're on Dune. Water's very, you know, is very hard to come by." You were like, straight up on like you were you were going quickly in the Fremen, and you know, in 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 the in the books, and and I'm sorry if this is a spoiler, but like if you haven't read Dune by now, like or watched the movie, like. And I don't know if they touched this in the movie, but like the Fremen had all these secret, you know, repositories of water around. Right. So it made sense that like, yeah, uh, water is very important, but like you had your secret stash and you were working so yeah. closely with the Fremen. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, oh, just love it. And and the way that you can get, uh, you know, uh, the, the worms on your side in combat, you kind of have to work towards that by going and getting the uh, what are they called? the Maker hooks. The maker hooks, yes. Yeah. It was just thematic, right? So you're getting the maker hooks so you can control the makers. Um and oh, just so neat, right? Uh yeah. and then uh, and then like mechanically too, the spaces, I believe that you could get a lot of the um uh sandworms, but you could also get uh spice at those locations or trade in spice or, or vice versa, which is very, you know, the makers, they're the makers because they make the spice kind of thing, right? Yep. Um so oh yeah, it was just and then everything had its own, like each of the resources, your 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 um I mean, was it credits? Is that the 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 name of the 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 money, I suppose? I think so. Anyways, what well, you, so you I, I hmm. forget yeah, what it was, silver, credits, whatever the, it, it is. If it was Star Wars, it's supposed to be credits. But Oh, uh, yeah, what is that called? Um, Solari. Solari, thank you. Yeah, Solari. So each of those things, like, they they all, it's not like you can trade, okay, I'm going to use my wa uh, water for the Solari. No, no, the, they each have their own kind of areas that they're going to help you take actions for or, or or spend to get certain actions right so like yeah. your water having lots of water is going to help you do x and having lots of spice is going to let you do y and solari is so they each you know you can have almost these strategies that have the different resources and 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 going towards different things right so yeah. I, I just thought that was really neat and then the intrigue cards I mean, it's Dune. You got to have intrigue, and they definitely <laughs> add that, right? So you get that. Maybe they're not as thematic. You're just flipping a card and saying, "Okay, this is what happens." But it, it feels like that way, right? Like you get into a combat, and this happened in our combat, our final one of the game, where you won the game. Uh, you flipped over your intrigue card, and were like, "And I add this to my power," and it was like, <laughs> "No, right?" Like I didn't see that one coming, kind of thing, right? So yeah, yeah, so neat. Yeah, so you you every player gets uh, a leader card, and then the leader cards are going to give uh, an an asymmetrical, you know, power to the game. Uh, they're going to have a uh, well, I, I mean, I want to say a passive power, but I'm I'm not. It's not necessarily a passive ability. Yeah. Um, but it's 
but it's a, a static power. Maybe that's the way to put it. Um, and then they also will have a signet ring power, which is one of your starter cards is the signet ring. And then whenever you play that, you get to use your leader's signet ring power, right? Um, so that's cool. And uh, I mean, I played Muad'Dib, right? Which, because that, I just, I have to. I have to be the protagonist always. Uh, and then y- you, of course, want to be the villain. So, so <laughs> yep. you're playing Fade, right? Yeah. Uh, my uh, static power was like, actually, both the powers are super simple, right? So it, if I played a sandworm in the conflict, I got an intrigue card. Yeah. That's my static power. And then my um, signal ring power was draw a card. That's sure. That, yeah. That's it. Right. Um, and then you had like this weird, like track that you moved up on that was giving you bonuses when you did. And I, uh, and I'd love that too. Cause like, yeah. So my track, there was a few, yeah, it, it was a track that basically had two forks at various uh, stages and you could, they ended up in one area, like both forks went, both ways but you know it it would it would spread off in a fork and then meet in the center and then spread off in a fork and meet in the center kind of thing right uh and you had an options and one option got your resources and the other options which i really liked got you spies and it was a very harkening way of or harkonnen uh you know uh way of doing things right so that's I, I was putting out a lot of spies, which help you in this game for taking action because it's a worker placement. The spies allow you uh, in their, many cases to take actions that somebody's already at, uh, right. as long as you have a spy, uh, you know, attached to that action. Uh, and I thought that was so cool to have these spies out. And then the the static power was basically during combat. I can get rid of these spies as like a surprise attack and add power to my combat. Everything about oh, it. I love. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was so cool uh, because that's like, um, it was like a, I see the state of the board right now. Uh, and I, I want to make sure I win this combat. I'm going to sack some of these spies and, and jump up. And I think I got enough buffer here. Right. Uh, nothing two surprises maybe i have an intrigue card that i'm also holding and whatever right so yeah it was it was a nice nice combination of those that i really i really thought was neat and i'd love uh to play it again even as the same characters again just to yeah especially this game too because like this is a fairly complex game yeah Uh, if if you're into gaming I feel like all these complex games, they're all very similar. They seem like sometimes the rule books are bears, like large, and then in, I don't even think this one was hard to read, but like there's a lot, there's many pages, a lot of rules, whatever, right? Um, but the complexity of it means that that first time you play, you're not going to be as efficient as you could be, right? Exactly. Uh, and yeah. just playing it and seeing things and how things played out of like, I, I I could do that better. I could do that better. I could do that, but right. And I'd love to try it again, just to do that, do those things. Right. And it's the last several games we've got up. And because we rapidly <laughs> go through games that I'm like, Ooh, I gotta play that again. Cause yeah. yeah. Hmm, right. Well, this game in particular, and it's, I think it's the number one reason why I really like it. Yeah. Uh, it's, Okay, worker placement, and you've got action spaces that you go to. Okay, great. Now you add this layer onto, okay, well, you have to have the right card, which has a symbol that matches, right? Okay, cool. 
that's cool. A layer of complexity that's enjoyable. Yeah. That's, you read the rule book and you can understand that. But what the rule book doesn't teach you that you have to learn from playing the game is, okay, you start the game with, I think, one water and that's it. Yeah. Right? So then you look at the board and you're like, okay, there's only so many places I can actually go to, right? And, okay, if you want, like you said, if you want to bring sandworms into the combat, you need a maker hook. There's only one space on the board where you can get a maker hook. And, oh, guess what? You need two influence with the Fremen to do that, right? Yeah. So, okay, well, then how do I get influence with the Fremen? Well, you need the cards that let you go to the Fremen spaces. And so uh, it's cool. Like you got these faction tracks on the side and uh, there's uh, six spaces on each track. Right. Uh, The space number two on each track gives you a victory point. Um, And then space number four through six uh, will get you an alliance with that with that faction now if you're the first one to get to space number three you're going to get that alliance and that gives you a victory point but if somebody moves ahead of you or you move down on that track you're going to lose that alliance so if somebody and somebody gets ahead of you let's say they're going to gain it so now yeah. you've lost a victory point and they've gained one and there's only 10 points in this game so like that's a big swing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, now at the beginning of the game, you get one card that has these, you know, faction symbols on them, uh, plus one additional card. But if you use that card, you're going to burn it. So right away, I play both of those and go up on the Fremen track so that I can get that two influence so that I can go to Siege to beer and get the maker hook. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, then like going up on the tracks after that is very slow unless cards come out that you can buy that lets you move up on those tracks, right? But the the makers, the worms, if you bring them into a combat, first of all, it pings off my care my leader's ability, but secondly, it doubles your reward for that combat. And near the end of the game, some of the rewards for com- for combat is, is for victory points. So, <laughs> and that's actually what ended up winning me the game was because I, there was a card that you got a victory point, and if you met a condition, like you could buy another victory point with with spice. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a worm which doubled my, the victory point. And then I, I managed to get enough spice that I could buy two victory points. And so shot up four points at the end of the game. Yeah. It was a masterful play and uh, it was great though. Like it, it was, it was, yeah. Sony, those, those, the, the worms, even if you come in third place, having that worm double the rewards of the third place reward it's really so good. Great, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Like it's so, it, it rivals sometimes being, you know, like I didn't bring a worm. I got, 
first place or I got second place. Uh, but that third place person bought the worm and got double the rewards. Sometimes, okay. Typically, first place is a very really good reward. Uh, yeah. And second place, not as good. Third place, not as good as second. But doubling third can be better than second place. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. and if you squeak into second place because the worms also add power, uh, you know, it, it could be quite quite big rewards uh but yeah like i said earlier you have to work to get that maker hook uh and then you have to uh actually go to the spaces to get the worms yes uh, and there's only two on the board uh and uh, one no uh, three uh, no no you're right two yeah, there two, yeah, two. yeah one yeah. is fairly expensive to go to yeah yeah uh, in the sense that you could go and spend i believe it's uh, two spice to get one worm or the other spot is four spice gets you two worms something like that uh but it's a big it's a big payout of uh of resource if you don't have spice if you don't have the resources to afford the 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 worms you're you're not getting the worms right and sometimes you got to make those calls i could yeah, i can try and get spice so that i can go and get a worm uh that could be both your your agent actions, uh, or I can just place some of my soldiers down, get like four soldiers out or something uh, by this, you know, by this play, uh, and then you know, I've I've <laughs> that's the way I'm not going to get the doubles, but I'm going to potentially win the combat and and yeah. and whatever, right? So there's yeah, there's lots of trade offs that you have to decide what to do, and at the start of the game and a, a decent amount of the game around the start, like up to mid mid game, even maybe later, you only have two workers that you can use, two yep. agents, right? You have to work towards unlocking that third agent and it can be pricey to do so yep. uh so once you do it that's great you get three agent but at the same point too it's so wild it's a worker placement game that you might not want to use each of your agents because you have to use those cards to send them out right and sometimes you want to hold those cards back so you can take the reveal portion of the turn and get those benefits uh so and not only that like if you're maybe there's a card you really want uh and your opponent wants it too well if you're you know going second in the turn order and they place an agent you place an agent they place an agent you place an agent then they take a reveal turn well they revealed before you so you know if they place an agent you place an agent they place an agent, and then you reveal you didn't play out your second agent, but you get to take that card before they they buy it in front of you, you know, from out, out from under you. Uh, that's a strategy as well. So there's literally trade-offs for everything in this game mm-hmm. um, and multiple ways to get those actions, but in a limited way. So typically there's two ways to do everything, but one way is going to cost resources and so sometimes that means you have to build up to take that way uh yeah. so it's yeah very very and then once you add the spies to it okay <laughs> you, you can manipulate a little bit more okay i can take this extra action because i have a spy there but then you're using up your spy so yep you know there's <laughs> trade-offs <laughs> the game is all about trade-offs it, yeah it really is yeah 
Um, and actually, so so yeah, got off on a tangent, but and also it it's even worse. It's so to get the worms out is is one water to get a worm out that space. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Three water for the other space to get two worms out. Yeah. And yeah. water is very rare. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, I'm trying to look at the board. I'm saying, where is those? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The water. Yeah. 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 So, so um, like I was saying, there's only so many places you can go at the beginning of the game. And because not only do you have to have these symbols that match on the cards, but a lot of the spaces have a cost just to go there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's like Thomas said, you know, you got to you got to you got to build the resources and then spend them to go to the spaces to get what you want and you want to go to several spaces on a turn but you can't because you can't afford to cuz every resource in this game you have to work for it. It's rare, it's hard to come by. And so you kind of have at the beginning of the, of the turn, you kind of have to go, what do I need to accomplish this turn? And am I going to be able to do it? Like maybe you really need to go up on this track, but then you don't draw the card with that symbol. Yeah. Right. So then am I going to try to draw more cards? Uh, Do I just work with what I have? Am I, I really want to win this combat, but can I even get enough troops on the board? Like, and even, even that I like the system, the the combat system. So you could, you go to spaces and it will give you uh, troops, right? But most spaces put those troops in your garrison, which is neat because that you can build up troops in your garrison and they're like, a reserve for you to use during the combat, but you have to go to a specific space. And there are a few, um, but you have to go to specific spaces that will let you actually put troops into the combat. And then when you do that, you can bring in up to two from your garrison um, in into the combat. So if you want to make sure you've got enough power in the combat, like you might have to spend your entire turn just trying to get troops. And then you're not getting water, you're not getting spice, you're not getting Solari, right? You're not, everything's a trade-off, like you said, right? It's every moment of the game, you're making interesting decisions that that do have large impacts. Yeah, yeah. Even to the point where you're purchasing cards, because... Yeah, you're we keep saying trade-off, trade-off, trade-off. You're choosing cards for your deck. Uh, and if you want to go up those those tracks, you should probably pick up another one of these uh, buy one of these cards that can help you go up on the tracks. But then you're giving up. What are you giving up? Are you giving up a yeah. card that's going to get you water? Or are you going to give a, a you know a card that's going to give you you know X combat power, whatever the case may be, right? Uh, so that's very difficult as well to, to try and determine. And then I love how they did this. So each of the guilds, I believe each one. Um, Benny Jesuit is a is slightly different. I think he's the only different one, but uh, each of the guilds has like specific actions on the board that you can only go there if you've reached, uh, you know, two two influence on the track for that 
for that uh, for that guild, right? Right. Uh, so the Fremen, right? You can't get your makers uh, if if you're not too influenced with them, right? So, boom. There's a there's a reason to go up on those ones, right? Uh, the Emperor. Excuse me. You can't. I forget which one's tied there. Uh, I it, it's Imperial Privilege, which lets you cycle intrigue cards. Sure. Uh, yeah. Lets you take an agent back off the board so you can have another action. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a great one. Yeah. And yeah. lets you draw a card. Yeah. Like it's a really good space. But yeah. Yeah. So there's all these things. So like you're encouraged to go up on, on these tracks, but then you also want to be the highest up on the track. You want to hit that fourth position so that you get the extra victory point and you're, you know, keeping it away from, but then if someone's competing with that, then you're spending time on that track to like, just leave me alone because I want to go up on the other tracks as well. And I can't because I can stay, yeah. you know what I mean? So, <laughs> oh, just so many little things like that, that like you got to keep in mind. And then, and then there's the whole combat aspect that at the end of the round, you know, this combat is happening. Am I going to go in? Is this the combat that I want to to win or, or do I just, you know, hold some back so I can get, you know, I'll take third, I'm happy with third place or I'm okay with second place. I'll try and put myself in set. And that's the thing too, you could do is you can manipulate it. So, okay, that second place benefit's going to help me out more than the first place. So I'm going to manipulate it. So I become second. Right. Uh, right. So you do that stuff like that. And that's really neat. Um, and, and there's just, yeah, so many, so many little things like that throughout the entire game, every decision you make is going to be that. What am I giving up so I can make this decision? Is that what I want to do? Uh, should I give her that up this instead? Or, you know, because you can't do everything. You cannot do everything. And this game really, really drives that home uh, that <laughs> you're not going to be the best at everything. So you got to really make those decisions and and, and decide what you're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like that. Yeah, that was that was really fun. It was a cool cool puzzle like that um yeah and even like that then it's got this whole thing when you play two player you add in a third ai player yeah uh and i felt that played really well too uh that was fun and it was hard so there was different levels uh and i think there was what levels like one to ten and the lower the number you got the harder it was is that is that yeah maybe not quite Basically, um, I think the the most difficult uh, bots, if you want to call them, yeah, uh, have a have a value of like four, I think. Okay, and yeah. then uh, the the easiest ones are more like ten or something like that. Yeah. And basically, that number corresponds to they need to collect a certain number of resources, and then once they achieve that number. They're gonna get their third worker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so obviously the higher the number, the longer that's gonna take. Now, once they get their third worker, now their resources, when they collect them, it goes towards buying victory points. 
And okay, so you showed me this, and I'm like, you know what? We're pro gamers, whatever. Let's go with seven. And you know, seven wasn't isn't super low number either. I wasn't, of course, I wasn't going to say first game. Let's go four. No, yeah. so it was like seven. We got this. But it was hard. We almost yeah. lost. If you didn't have that four point turn. I think we would have lost on like the next turn. Like I like ran yeah. out of steam and the bot would have taken it and been like, boom. Right. And then, and I was like, I didn't want to lose that way. Yeah. Uh, so, and that, so, you know, if you're playing this for the first time, maybe pick an easier bot <laughs> that way you're not like, cause it was close. Like it came yeah. close to the bot winning and that would have been, at the end of the night would have been pretty pretty big letdown of, oh we suck <laughs> right but uh no it was good it was uh, it's, it's neat to have that bot play well and 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 be a challenge actually right yeah um yeah i i like that i like the bot adding the bot in there too so yeah the bots um basically they've got uh special abilities just like the the leaders that the players play right and then you're going to essentially just on their turn, you flip a card and it's going to tell you where to place their worker. And oftentimes it's smart where it'll say, okay, you're going to go to one of these two spaces, but you're going to put them on the one where they get the most resources Yeah, out of yeah. it, right? And so you're like, oh, I'm just going to go there next, right? And it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It it ran pretty smoothly yeah and 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 i felt like it built tension too because like anytime we were like okay i really don't want it to go to this spot don't go to that spot and then you yeah. flip the card and it wasn't that spot but it was a spot that was already filled it's like okay if it's already filled draw another card and it was like no yeah. i got to go through that <laughs> stress again right and yeah, then you're like yeah. don't do it, don't, 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 don't right yeah. so <laughs> that I, I felt like that was a tension of every time we flipped it in it and that the bot's turn happens between each of the players turn right so i play an action bot you yeah uh, i play an action bot you kind of thing right so uh that was that was stressful as well right knowing especially if you were second player on that round knowing that your opponent's going to go, then the bot's going to go, and then you get to go, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And sometimes, you know, the combat just happens. Okay, I want to win this combat, and the bot does all the, like, aggressive stuff, and you're like, okay, okay, <laughs> yep, not combat this time. Yeah, right? So so the way it works in this game, uh, so if you're playing solo, you're going to run two bots, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then if you're playing two player, you're going to run one bot. Uh, and then in a three player game, there's no bots. Yeah. So three yeah, or four players. Yeah. But I, I'm guessing because the combat has first, second and third place prizes, you yeah. know, you, you, you want the players to have the potential to only score that third place. You Which know. I think is great. Yeah. 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 And it ran smooth. And yeah, I, yeah. A lot of good stuff with this game. And not, I can't think of any really, uh, we don't talk often about bad sides to games. I mean, we do if there's something glaring, but like, I didn't, I didn't feel like anything. I wasn't upset with anything in this game. And it's not one of those games. Like, okay, so you got a bit of the random faction with what cards come up on the, on the track, but that was never an issue. Like it was never like, ah, oh, nothing's good up here. I don't, 
there's so many good cards that you're like, I want to buy everything. I plugged my deck. Great. Why did I do that? Right. Yeah. That's more the reaction than, than there's nothing good to buy. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it's a fun one. Uh, the setup's not even too bad either. Like, no, well, I guess because um, everything is, is, is very simplified. Like you get two agents for your thing. You have your little player thing, you get your water, but like, <laughs> It, yeah, it, it seems simple. There's not, there's a lot going on, but there's not a lot going on. So like, yeah, I, I didn't set up, you obviously set it up, but like, yeah. there wasn't a lot of moving components, I suppose, that really would make it difficult. Maybe shuffling right. the decks and stuff. But. Yeah, there's, there's a few different decks to shuffle. Um, but then like the way I organized the game was everything that one player is going to need all in one bag. You give that to the player. That's it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there's decks shuffle and then there's three different types of resource tokens. They're not really not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, and the decks of cards, there's enough cards in there that you're not going to be likely not going to be reshuffling these uh, uh, before the end of the game. Like we didn't get through a ton oh, of, of no. cards right there was a, that was a huge deck even the intrigue like we drew a few intrigue but not not even a fraction of the deck of cards so you know it, we, we i uh, we talked um a few episodes back about uh, lord of the rings maybe it was last episode i can't remember um and you're shuffling that mini deck every yeah. round right <laughs> this one Okay, yeah, you have your hand of cards that you have to shuffle when you run out and whatever, but that's basic. Like, well, you got five, six cards, and they're and they're large size cards, so they fit nicely in your hand, and it's a quick, easy well, norm, normal size cards. Yeah, yeah yes, no, yeah, I shouldn't say large, large compared to the tiny <laughs> ones. So yeah. normal size cards. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I really like this one. I think it's great. Uh, and I can see where people compare this to the Lost Ruins of Arnak, where because um, this is one that often gets compared against that. You have a a deck building game with a worker placement aspect. Uh, I feel like that's where the similarities really end, though. Yeah, uh, hey, yeah, they they from a thematic uh, uh, presentation kind of thing. These could not be more different right they go totally different routes artwork style yeah. totally different routes right uh and i could easily have you know both these games in my collection and not worry that oh one does this and this one does this too uh oh so good so good yeah we've we've been uh we've been playing a lot of good games recently oh. uh, just just next level stuff too right uh we're uh, yeah, I mean, the hobby just it becomes more and more interesting all the time. And, and games yeah. like this are just just fantastic. And, yeah. And it's like if you, well, if you're considering doing Imperium, right, it's been out forever. And like we've been missing out. It, but it's been on our list like for quite a while, too. Right. Yeah. 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 It was. And it's funny. So I think I've mentioned before it what always like stopped me from picking up Dune Imperium was. I would look at pictures of it and go, that is an ugly game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this game, the, the box art is, is, is very, it's a lot nicer. Uh, the board looks the same. It's not a pretty looking board. Uh, and the resources are very 
basic. They're just basic shapes. They don't even put numbers on them, yeah. right? Just there's a small circle is one and a big circle is worth five, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But the artwork on the cards is gorgeous. And yeah. um, so Dire Wolf has the film license to the Dune-iverse. Right. right, okay, yeah. So all of the artwork and stuff, it it's all like like Muadib is Timothy Chalamet and Chani is uh, Zendaya, right? And yeah. then um, maybe spoilers for part two, uh, the Emperor, you know, Christopher Walken. So if you're, you know, if you're playing the Emperor, you're playing Christopher Walken, which is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you know, so they all look like they do in the movies right and and what they say is dune imperium is like the part one and then yeah. this game represents the state of the universe in part two but really i think they just they rebalance some things fix some balance issues and and you know reissued the game and it uh works if you're in, if you're curious it does work with the expansions for dune imperium yeah i i will have to say too yeah as far as the cards concerned i i agree 100% the artwork is beautiful the style of art that they did with say having christopher walking uh, walking uh well oh my god uh, in there, uh and timothy charlemagne Z- zadania and all, all these people the artwork is the style is very nice. Having said that, I will say, uh, from I've never seen the movies, right? Um, I have read the first uh, three, four books, I believe. In in uh, uh, I I think I got up to where the last book that Frank Herbert uh, wrote before his son took over the the uh, the series. Uh, and I, and I didn't finish that one, so I got to reread that. But um, my issue with with using the actors on it uh, is just that I have different pictures of mm. who these characters look like in my head, right? Uh, so that was one thing. Um, but again, I would love the same art style used, even if it wasn't like if it wasn't the actors, and it would just. Uh, uh, um, a demonstration of what this character would be whatever right right i would i would like it in the same art style because of the art style is so well done uh to the point too where like if you look at games that actually use pictures from an ip uh say spartacus for example right um this is done in a better way because it is an artistic way of doing it yes you can tell that it's Christopher Walken, but it's not a photograph of Christopher Walken. Yeah, it's a right? painting. It's a painting, which yeah. is beautiful, right? Yeah. So I feel like even having said that, these characters are painted like their actor uh, counterparts. Because it's a painting, it's so much better. Absolutely. Right? Um, it, I, I think it makes all the all the difference uh, that if it were photos, I might be actually bothered by it, but it's really not a not an issue right yeah uh, so i think that's that's really they did a really good job there for sure my problem is uh if i go back to twilight here 
uh, when I'm trying to read those books, I'm only picturing the actors right. uh, in those positions. And I hate, for whatever reason, with that book series, I hate that. I hate picturing the awkward actors in these because I'm trying to read the story and I'm picturing these actors and we're like, oh, uh, uh, right. <laughs> I don't get the same. Uh, 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 I guess maybe because I haven't seen the movies, uh, but there's there's not that same input with the uh, with the with the Dune stuff that. Right. That, you know, but <laughs> well, man, there's the that 80s one, which. You Which know, I also never saw, but yeah, it, yeah. It, it's an 80s movie, so you got to take that. But I, I enjoyed it, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But it is very 80s. Uh, then there's a <laughs> mini series that I've never seen that's supposed Man. to be quite good. And then the, yeah. the Dennis Villeneuve movies are just, they're, well, only one's out so far, but it's so good, man. It's so good. I have to, I have to, I have to watch them and then maybe I'll. I mean, I already really enjoy the game, but maybe there'll be some additional enjoyment there too. Uh, with the ac- action sequences from the movies, right? But yeah, yeah, solid game, solid game. I I can't wait to get the this one back to the table and play it again and and do better hopefully the next time because yeah, that's but- always I love like I love these games. I love uh, being competitive with them. Um, and that first play is always that play that I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to play it again because I know I can do better, right? And I, man, and I really, you know, and there, and there's certain games like that, that even, even, even when I win something like, say, Voidfall too, I go, okay, I got to play it again because I, I could be more efficient next time, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, this is uh, this is a great one. And component-wise, like we talked about, yeah, cars and stuff, the artwork is great. But all the resource components are nice as well. Like they're the like wooden uh yeah. things, right? So like yeah, yeah they're they're basic uh stuff with a big, small, uh, but yeah, the nice and wooden chunky things. So that was nice too, having all those sol- solari stacked up on my kind of like player area when I was and you with the water there for a bit. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Though I I uh, stockpiled some water, like you said, but it was amazing how fast it disappeared. <laughs> yeah, that is one thing. Yeah, for sure. You can have seemingly a large stack, but it's amazing how quickly yeah. of any resource you can burn through it uh, if you're taking those, you know, better action spaces or whatever. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Well, and that was it. Like I. I wanted to keep getting uh, the makers out in the com in the conflicts, but that meant, yeah, using up my water. So I was trying to save some of it back for like a couple of big plays, and yeah. then that happened. So, but it when it did, it whew, they, that water went fast. It it almost reminds me a bit. Uh, now the games are vastly different, but that first time playing Zolkin when we played together. Uh, and I built that like sort of uh, food generation kind of thing, but I was I was stuck needing to generate a lot of food so I could feed my workers, and then I had to generate more food so I could feed my workers, and then I had to ge- you know. So this game, you could do that. You could be like. Okay, I got I have to get the water so I can get the worm and then I got to get the water so I can get the worm. And then mm-hmm. I got, you know, so there's you can get stuck in these little things if you're not 
if you're not care- careful, but that's that's part of the, is this the best use of my two agents at this time to do this? And the next turn, do I do it again or do I do something slightly different, some variance on, on right. what I'm doing, right? So trade-offs, yeah, yeah. trade-offs, trade-offs. Yeah. Trade-offs, trade-offs, trade-offs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. Well, that's it for this episode of the Current Plays Podcast. Check the episode description for links to our website and our socials. And if you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee or just tell your friends about us and spread the word. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate you listening. And tune in next time for more unscripted banter and deep dives into our favorite board games. Until then, gentle listeners, good gaming and good night. Good night, folks. <laughs>